When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, uh, good morning to you all on this uh, Friday morning before a busy sporting weekend and uh, our show brought to you of course by Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier, the big green machines. If you're uh, in the market for one of those, there's only one place to go and it's one of your Brandt outlets uh, around the country. Uh, we're going to be talking to Liam Messam very shortly. Um, of course, Liam is involved uh, again in Fight for Life, always uh, puts his name forward for such a great cause, but boxing's very serious for him. Uh, we'll find out uh, just how serious it is and this fight coming up against Justin Hodges uh, on April 27. Um, after uh, 9.30, uh, we might to get some predictions and tips for the weekend in terms of, uh, if you want to call in, 0800 0800-150-811. You can talk about the race for grins. You can talk about um, how you think the Warriors will go against the Cowboys and uh, the Chiefs against the Hurricanes. Love to hear your opinions on that. Uh, if not, you can text on double eight double three. Double eight, double three. Your predictions for the weekend. After 10 o'clock, we shall be talking to Wellington Phoenix and all-white defender Tim Payne. Uh, Ricardo will be in on that interview as well, and uh, we'll just uh, talk about the fact that they've got a massive game against the Brisbane Roar on Sunday at Eden Park. If they lose that, uh, they're in uh, a spotted bother, I think it's fair to say. Uh, we've got a panel at uh, 10.20, uh, and then uh, after that, uh, at uh, about uh, 5 past 11, we'll talk to... Uh, Scott Sattler from uh, the Panthers, of course the Maroons, uh, Scotty Sattler uh, lost his dad, uh, John, not that long ago, but uh, he's going to come in and, and talk to us uh, as part of the Sen League team, uh, SEN uh, League team I should say, and uh, we'll talk about uh, last night, the Dolphins getting soundly beaten by the Rabbitohs after being uh, in front at half time, what the heck happened there? Uh, of course, the Warriors and the Cowboys and many other matchups uh, over the weekend, he might even have an opinion on his West Tigers, he had a stint there. Uh, they're not going too good. Um, Michael Geddon will be talking to us around about quarter to 12 this morning uh, because Mick's involved a very busy weekend, including tonight, the race for Grins. So we'll hear uh, a last word on that too before we hand over to Watto at uh, 12 o'clock. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, I spoke yesterday, you might have heard it, with Martin Guptill, where his cricketing life these days as a globetrotter, a bat-for-hire type of existence, uh, searching for deals with one franchise or the next and one league or the next. At this stage, it's the exception in world cricket, but it soon could become the norm. In other words, T20 cricket is gaining a foothold with so much momentum, it hardly seems stoppable. It scarcely seems imaginable that when you consider the two biggest highlights of our cricketing summer came in the final moments of two absorbing long-form contests, that there is a waning desire for the hardest and most revered form of the game. I mean, weigh it up. What would uh, what did you enjoy most? Uh, a tight finish like the Basin Reserve or a T20 contest that goes maybe to a super wire, uh, over or just down to the wire? Correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't that Basin Test match sold out for its majority? That tells me that there's still a desire for Test cricket 
or a certain type of it at least, the type that England bring. A fast pace, no fear of losing. You could argue that Baz's boys were the draw card. Now that would be a worry if that's the case, but it's also delivering a message. There's a strong move to limit the amount of test playing nations and with it of course will come a much smaller diet of test cricket. Maybe as few as five test playing nations at this stage we may just sneak in. This coming English summer will provide a defining point. The World Test Championship final, Australia vs India, two neutral teams at the Oval and then of course the Ashes. Thank God for the Ashes. If they can't light a fire under the butts of those in power, Houston, us test lovers, have a serious problem. The football model is beckoning. Players owned by clubs or franchises being released by them back to their countries in windows for test matches is in the thinking. Old Guppy and his like will be the way to go. The players, those in vogue anyway, and their agents will be the big winners. Tradition will slump into the corner with the occasional outing. On returning from a year of IPL to the commentary box a few moons ago, one Scott Styrus announced Test Cricket is all but dead and T20 is the only future. Many of us scoffed at such a ridiculous notion. It now seems old Piggo had the early bully spot on. 9.07 here on SENZ. Uh, time to catch up with uh, one of New Zealand's uh, true all-round sportsmen and an achiever in pretty much everything he puts his hand to. Uh, I'm talking about Liam Messam, of course, in foot, uh, rugby terms, 184 games for the Chiefs, uh, a Waikato Centurion, uh, of course, uh, and an All Black, and uh, now, of course, turning his attention on a pretty serious note to, to boxing. And, of course, he has a fight uh, for life appointment uh, coming up very shortly uh, with Justin Hodges. It's uh, April 27th, so uh, all for Mike King's I Am Hope Foundation. What a great cause. Also got to two... Uh, Commonwealth Games Golds as well, Liam Messam. Man, you have got something in your cabinet. You've done really well. <laughs> uh, morning, Smithy. Uh, yeah, not too bad. Just, uh, just a bit of passion and something I love doing, checking a footy ball around. Well, you've obviously got a, a lot of uh, passion, man, for boxing as well because you treat it so damn seriously. Uh, and you've got this appointment, as I said, uh, with Justin Hodges. Um, how's uh, the, the build-up been going for that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been good. It's, uh, it's been a hard uh, six weeks now. So we've just got one more week of, of hardcore training and then uh, they call it a taper week, I think, um, leading into the fight. So the training sort of comes down quite a bit and you get to enjoy uh, a bit of rest. So uh, looking forward to, to the week uh, ahead, actually. It's not just this, uh, this fight, though, Liam. You, you've treated the boxing side of things very seriously. What are, what are your aspirations in there, um, post maybe the fight with Hodges? Yeah, I haven't got anything too massive. This is something that I really enjoy and really love to do. Um, last year, I sort of had a crack at the, at the New Zealand title, but unfortunately, that sort of fell through due to um, my opponent falling out through injury. And uh, during that process, it was a, a long slog. Um, I'm not sure. If I was a bit younger, then yeah, maybe I could give it another crack, but it was a, yeah, it was a long slog to sort of train for a, a 10, 12-rounder, um, three-minute round uh, boxing fight. So... Yeah, I'm getting a bit getting a bit old, but getting a bit close to forty. So at the moment, it's just enjoying the the process and enjoying the training, and I'm really getting to test myself uh, in two weeks' time against Justin Hodges, who's got a great boxing record. He's been in the ring a few times, so um, yeah, something's really going to challenge me. So yeah, just yeah, just something I can get out of my comfort zone. I wish I could still still play footy um, at a high level, but this you know sort of um, stretches the itch. 
Well, uh, I'm not sure you'll ever give up uh, footy, uh, to be perfectly honest. You're just uh, so much of an evergreen in, in that department, mate. But um, just want to stay on the boxing just for a moment or two. I mean, um, what about Hodges? What, what have you, uh, I imagine you've studied some tapes, uh, his fights with Paul Gallen, etc. Yeah, yeah, we have, and he's a, he's a big man. Um, loves to throw his big right hand, and uh, when it lands, um, definitely, um, you know, can, can hurt a lot of people. He dropped Gallen, I think, the first fight. Um, so yeah, we're definitely gonna have to be sharp and ready for for that. And that's that's with anyone that you fight. Um, even with my sparring partners, like you know, you always got to be on guard and you can't take anything for granted or cruise around in the boxing ring because uh, as a lot of people say, you don't play boxing. So um, it is a dangerous sport. And um, yeah, the the key is not to get hit too many times. How's uh, we've asked you how the prep is going, but what what does a standard sort of uh, week look like before you tape a week? Oh, standard week is uh, usually train twice a day, so um, usually strength or some sort of conditioning in the morning, then boxing in the afternoon, and that just goes through Monday to, to Friday. I usually spar, so today's Friday, so I'll spar tonight. Um, just have to go enough to do a, a little gym before, and then Saturday try and do something a bit different than boxing or slogging out in the gym and go for a walk or um, a bit of a hike or just something different just to change up the scenery and um, not be in the hurt locker. For, for too long and then Sunday's the only day I, I get to sort of put the feet up and relax um, and that's just yeah, pretty much trying to catch up on a few Z's and um, yeah, recover for the, for the next day So I imagine um, in your, some of your downtime uh, you've kept an eye on a, a wee bit of rugby and you might find a bit of downtime about 2.45 um, tomorrow afternoon it is now with the Chiefs against the Hurricanes had a hell of a year your boys haven't they so far? Yeah, they have. Um, unfortunately, I haven't watched too too much footy. Um, yeah, I've just been sort of immersed in this boxing thing. Sort of when I put my my mind into to one thing, I just fully concentrate on that. But I do see see the posts that the boys put on on social media. Um, the tries, especially Sean Stevenson at the moment, keeps posting all his tries on on Instagram. So it, that sort of keeps me up to date with with the Chiefs. And yeah, they've been going fantastic. And what really impresses me is the depth that they have. It seems like they can put out any fifteen or any 23, really, on, on, on any weekend and still get the job done. And um, we're really looking forward to the, the game tomorrow. Actually, we'll watch that one. Um, good afternoon footy. Love an afternoon footy um, kickoff. So, yeah, I'll be uh, fully watching that one with uh, the top of the table crash with those two teams. Interesting uh, loose forward matchup. As you say, you haven't watched a lot of footy, but uh, you'll know these names pretty well. The combination, uh, Peter Gassua, Kula, Sam Kane, Luke Jacobson, up against... Uh, Artie Sevilla, Duplessis Karifi, and uh, Devin Flanders. I mean, there's no secret to why these two teams are top of the table. Uh, around the breakdown, they've been massively effective. Yeah, and those are some, those are some big names with uh, some big big game game uh, um, killer instincts. And um, you know, you look at the loose forward for the Chiefs. Um, again, we talk about the depth they've been rolling in semi Finney Finn out six as well. So, and he's on the bench. So, um, you know. Rugby's that old cliche, the, the game's won up front and it was a physical battle, so I'm sure uh, those two these four trios will be trying to get the edge on, on that. D-Mac, uh, uh, your mate uh, Damien McKenzie has sat, had a very strong start to the season and I think he's uh, basically said to the All Black selectors, um, I'm pretty much ready if you need me. <laughs> yeah, he has, and I'm, I have to apologise to D-Mac because about, when was it, about five or six years ago, so they, they chucked him at 10. Um, for the first time, and he sort of wanted to be a 10, and I was like, man, you're never going to be a 10. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, he's proven proven me wrong, hasn't he? Um, he's been outstanding for the last couple of seasons, especially when he's come back um, from filling up his pockets in Japan. And uh, he's really uh, he's really impressed me just leading the boys around. And he's a threat, isn't he? Every time he's got the ball in hand, and he's tough. And yeah, he's just uh, he's really really showing his class at the moment. Hurricanes are an interesting side. In fact, I, I liken the Chiefs to the Hurricanes a, a, a wee bit in that, um, you know, they're, they're, they're the two kind of sides that you fancy are going to win it at some stage and then the talk goes back to the Crusaders every year. I, I, I think this this might be um, this might be the one. Yeah, it is. I think the, you, you are right. The Hurricanes are sort of similar to the Chiefs. Um, I was sort of thinking about that uh, the other day, actually, that a lot of people don't realise, um, well, maybe they do, but the this Chiefs team was that team a couple of years ago that went on that 0-7 run. Um, a lot of them have stayed and have grown through that pain and um, look where they're at now. And I sort of feel like the Hurricanes are in that sort of same boat. Um, and, you know, the two teams are sort of just trying to fly. Oh, I think the Hurricanes are sort of flying under the radar. It's a bit hard to fly under the radar when you're the Chiefs at 7-0. But, um, yeah, you know, it's going to be a great clash tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. Oh, I forgot to ask you about the boxing. What does your diet look like on a day like today? Oh, Smithy, when you're a heavyweight, mate, you can eat what you want. <laughs> there's, there's no diet thing. When, you, when you're a heavyweight, you yeah, you got no, no um, weight to, to to get to. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, training as hard as you do. You do have the luxury of getting to have you know a few burgers or tacos well, here and there. So, because <laughs> <laughs> you know you're going to work it off. Hey, mate, listen here. Uh, thanks so much for your your, your time this morning. Uh, it's great to still hear your your passion. Uh, for rugby, but uh, what you're putting into the boxing as well, especially for uh, Mike's, Mike King's uh, foundation. I hope you have a successful night. I hope you knock them over big time, mate. And uh, our thoughts will be with you. Thanks for your time. Cheers, mate. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Cheers, uh, Liam Messon there, folks. Of course, uh, what a terrific New Zealand sportsman he has been throughout the years and still making a contribution uh, for himself in the boxing ring, of course, but uh, uh, back towards society as well. And that uh, that fight night uh, is coming up on April the 27th. Uh, it'll sell out real quick. I hope it goes big on pay-per-view as well. Uh, they certainly deserve it uh, for such a, a worthy cause. Uh, for Mike King, uh, it's, uh, what about uh, what about your thoughts on that, Ricardo? Um, Justin Hodge is a pretty tough boy. He is a tough boy. He's a big boy as well. Uh I don't know how much we can kind of compare the fights that they had with Gallon because that's the first thing I thought I went, oh, well, they both thought fought Paul Gallon. How did that go? And uh, Liam lost a split decision to Gal, and uh, Justin Hodges was stopped by Gallon in one fight, and then he won a unanimous decision in the other fight. So Gallon won both those, and you kind of you look at that on the surface and think, well, you know, Liam Messam should win this fight then uh, because it looks like he's the better fighter if, if you take – you know um, that on face value but I think you know Hodges fought Gallon a lot more recently after Gallon had a lot more fights under his belt so yeah uh, and and you know the the fight with uh, Liam was before Gal turned pro so yeah there's a it, it's it's not quite that straight ahead, I don't think. I think Hodges will probably have the size advantage, uh, but Liam has done a lot of boxing. He's done a lot of training, and you know, I know he trained for that heavyweight bout that never never happened, the heavyweight title fight mm. that never happened. But I just think he will have a bit too much now, so I think he'll be a bit too clever. Yeah, I I, I hope so. I mean, it sounds like um, you know the, he mentioned the fact that he hasn't watched a lot of footy because he has been absolutely uh, dedicated. Uh, to what's coming up, so um, I, I, you know, um, and I, I would just like to see him knock him over. To be perfectly honest, 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I think Hodges is a slightly, a slightly louder version of um, of what we're used to in this country. Um, but I, 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 I really, I really do uh, look forward to it. And uh, of course, um, the main draw card is uh, is uh, Miyamoto and a world title fight against uh, Canada's uh, Tanya Walters. So. Um, that would be a first that uh, a women's bout would be uh, number one on the draw card, I think, in Fight for Life, from my memory. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think it's the IBF title, isn't it? IBF uh, bantamweight uh, world title, and that'll be that'll be great. Nightmare Mutu, uh, man, she can uh, she can punch. I was talking to someone the other day, Smithy, about this, and saying I was in a gym uh, doing doing some boxing training, and I just heard this ripping noise. And I was, I had to turn around and figure out what it was, and it was Miyamoto uh, training with her trainer, and her trainer had a body pad on, and she was hitting the body pad with these, um, with these body hooks, and I've never heard anything like it. She has got so much power; her technique is superb. So, yeah, I tell you what, I wouldn't want to be uh, the Canadian fighter. I, I think Miyamoto is going to take a lot of stopping. Yep, uh, I, I think you're absolutely right, particularly with a home crowd. Uh, behind her, uh, there's some uh, other inter- interesting matchups on, on that card as well, and we'll talk about that uh, closer to uh, April the 27th. Maybe get another fighter or two on. Certainly get a promoter on just to see how things are going. Uh, just going through that Chiefs team to face the Hurricanes, actually. Uh, Aiden Ross, uh, Samasoni, Tokiahu has just signed, of course, for the Chiefs and um, New Zealand Rugby till 2027, I think, another four years. Amazing. Uh, George Dyer, George Dyer is uh, uh, on the other side of the scrum, and then you've got Brody Retallick and Tupu Vai, um, and uh, they're the locks so with the, the loose forward combination, I think, which is uh, going to be a massive part of the battle tomorrow. Uh, saw a caller, Sam Kane, of course, and uh, Luke Jacobson. Brad Weber against the one they're all talking about, Cam Roygaard. How about that battle at halfbacks, Ricardo? It's going to be one to watch, isn't it? I mean, Cam Roygaard is the is the kid on everybody's lips at the moment. I, I was filling in on Drive a couple of weeks ago. And we did uh, a Wednesday All Black watch, and we uh, the Drive do that every Wednesday, and they look at different positions. And we looked at halfbacks that day, and the question was, if you were naming an All Black team to play this weekend, who's your halfback? And I reckon about seventy percent of the respondents were Cam Roygaard. He's certainly been the form halfback of Super Rugby this season. I mean, sure, he's green. He doesn't have a lot of experience, but if you're just purely going on form, he's certainly been the best that we've got at the moment. So where does he fit in then? If, he, if we picked an all-black squad to go to the World Cup tomorrow, um, where does he fit in? And, and what is our pecking order at halfback? It's a really interesting debate. In fact, double eight, double three. Uh, love to hear your top three. If you're looking at taking World Cup all-black uh, halfback, all halfbacks, Tomorrow, who would your three be uh, to go to the World Cup tomorrow? If it, you know it's early days, who would they be? Um, we'd love to hear from you there. Um, uh, even uh, give us a call on 0800 150 811. Uh, we'll take calls after 9.30 this morning. Uh, just completing the, the makeup of that uh, side for the Chiefs. Uh, Damian McKenzie, of course, uh, is at 10. Uh, Etene Nanai Satoro on uh, the left wing. Uh, Ramaka Puihepi having a terrific season. Uh, and uh, Daniel Rona are in the centres, and Moni Narawa is uh, at uh, 14 on the right wing, and the Mando, and they're all talking about uh, Ricardo uh, Sean Stevenson uh, at 15. Now, I would have thought um, the the All Black back three was almost a bit of a, a closed shop. There's so much quality there, but without Will Jordan, and he still hasn't made an appearance, 
um, the likes of Sean Stevenson must have some sort of aspirations, I would be thinking. Well, I think he's the form fullback at the moment, isn't he? And, uh, you know, if you, the other thing you think, Smithy, is that Richie Mawanga is the form 10. Bowden Barrett hasn't been playing particularly well. Uh, so if, if Richie Mawanga is your form 10, I know they do like to play Bowden at 15. I don't know if he's been playing well enough to, to, to get in the team, to be honest, uh, at 15. I mean, Sean Stevenson's got to be a shout. And once again, I mean, if you're naming an all-black team to play this weekend, Sean Stevenson would be in your 15. And the other thing is, he does have that ability to play wing as well. He's played plenty of wing for the Chiefs and for Harbour over the years. So, I mean, he's a guy that could, you know, they like to play two fullbacks in the in that back three um, when they have Jordan on the, on the wing. So I could easily see Sean Stevenson slotting in there somewhere. Right. Yep, I do. Uh, I, I, I see that as well, but... Um, I think form at towards the end of the competition, if you get my drift, uh, Ricardo. I think uh, I once talked to, um, I can't remember, was it Foxy or it might even have been Steve Hansen himself, and they're basically saying it's the form more towards the playoff side of it when the All Blacks you know, get closer to getting together and getting assembling and that sort of thing. That's the form they sort of look for. So um, you don't want to taper off at that crucial stage, and you want to be involved in playoff footy as well because that'll help you uh, put your name in headlights. So uh, interesting there. Um, yeah. So it's 9.23 here on SENZ. 0800 150 is the number. 0800 is uh, the number. The text line is double eight double three. Love to hear your calls. Um, perhaps you could ring up and give us your three halfbacks and why on form at the moment uh, you'd take those two. Uh, the World Cup, uh, it's a very contentious uh, position, and Roy, Cam Roygaard is certainly... Uh, Drawing a lot of attention, isn't he, with his performances for the Hurricanes? The matchup tomorrow with he and Brad Webber is uh, a mouthwatering one, as amongst so many uh, that will happen tomorrow at uh, Sky Stadium and around about uh, two forty-five. Even that's been a bit contentious as well, um, to be perfectly honest, uh, because it's encroaching on club rugby, Colts rugby, etc. Um, and just what kind of crowd they will get there at the stadium is an interesting one. It's a very late change in appointment time, so. Uh, what people, whether people will change their uh, habits, uh, whether they'll go to their club rugby, whether they'll stick with that, um, will be interesting to see because it basically kicks off at the same time. A bit of uh, contentious issues down there. If you've got a Wellingtonian, uh, love to hear from you, uh, 0800 on that as well. Uh, the story uh, about uh, what happen, is happening to Test Cricket. Um, do you see Test Cricket dying? I mean, um, there's a lot of cricket fans out there. We know that throughout the summer. We get a lot of messages, a lot of texts, etc. Uh, do you think that Test Cricket is in danger of uh, just fading away into oblivion? My personal belief is um, India will, uh, will dictate it, really. Um, and India are in the World Test Championship final. If uh, India were to win the World Test Championship final against Australia... Um, uh, there's no way in the world, I think, uh, in any anyone's language, that uh, India will let Test cricket die. They, they are uh, the powerful force in world cricket because they have the bulk of the money. Uh, that is why they set up the IPL and everyone sets up their leagues not in confrontation with the IPL because it's an out-and-out waste of time. So uh, they look for other windows, and that is the issue now. So many more T20 leagues. Uh, we've seen Trent Bolt go, we've seen Martin Guptill go, Colin de Grondholm, uh, Colin Munro, one of the first to go, Jimmy Neesham turning down a contract. All key players um, to New Zealand cricket over the years, um, all of whom probably uh, are still quite capable of putting on a black shirt and playing with distinction as well. So, uh, yeah, 
uh, your issues, uh, if you've got issues on that, love to hear your calls. 0800 150 811 and uh, Aroha is uh, coming up with the news. 9.32 here on uh, SCNZ and uh, news coming through from uh, the, the latest tournament, um, of course, in the PGA that uh, Ryan Fox, we spoke to him, of course, uh, he wasn't in the best of health. We could hear it in the interview. Uh, fronted up uh, and uh, has uh, withdrawn after nine holes. Uh, he was six over the card. Uh, he had a triple bogey on one hole and uh, just bloomed out to six over. So clearly uh, well off the pace in terms of his health. Uh, didn't want to continue. Um, and uh, that's not uncommon for people to withdraw uh, from uh, tournaments when they're, um, when they're not feeling well. And uh, simply Ryan Fox. So he uh, sat into that particular event on the basis of what he was saying, Ricardo, in terms of not that far away from gaining uh, some sort of card on the PGA Tour, which would enable him to play a wee bit more often, uh, that won't help. No, it won't help. And, yeah, feel sorry for the bloke because he's, uh, he's you know played really well the last couple of years, worked really hard for it. And, yeah, he does have exemptions for some of the tournaments. This was one of them. And, you know, he would have been wanting to make a bit of a splash, at least make the cut uh, here to earn himself some more points and, and give himself some more opportunities. Some more text uh, coming in about the halfbacks, but there's also one of interest um, that um, is directed a little bit towards you. Hi, Smithy. How's Ricardo? Two own goals in the last five minutes for a draw for Manchester United. It's from Carl. Yeah. Talk us through that. Yeah, the, uh, the, there's the Europa League uh, quarterfinals this morning, uh, and Manchester United were 2-0 up against Sevilla at home and cruising, and... Uh, Sevilla got two goals back in the last five, as, as Carl's mentioned there. One was a cross that Malasia, the left-back, tried to cut out and uh, inadvertently put past David De Gea. And another one was a shot from outside the area that Harry Maguire threw a leg at to try and block and also deflected the ball past, Harry, uh, past David De Gea. So uh, Sevilla, uh, two deflected own goals, and ends up to all after uh, United looked very comfortable at 2-0 for most of the game. They'd scored two, they were 2 nil up by 20 minutes. I thought Harry Maguire was long gone. No, he's still there. They haven't been able to shift him, although I do I do think he'll probably leave in the summer uh, or the, in the off-season. Um, but, they, yeah, they brought him on as a sub. He didn't start. So they brought him on as a sub to try and close the game out, and they went to, you know, sort of five at the back. And uh, it's probably invited a bit of pressure on. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen the goals, uh, and I don't think you can blame either player for them. To be honest, I think most players in their positions would have done what they were doing. They were trying to, trying to one trying to block a cross and one trying to block a shot. You know, that's that's part of your job as a defender, and they just got unlucky. Mm, okay, well, a bit quiet on the the call front. No one uh, prepared to ring up and on those issues. If you've got another issue you want to talk about, uh, we're very open minded here. Predictions for the weekend, uh, Warriors fans. How do you think that will go? Uh, who's your pick, Chiefs or the Hurricanes? Your thoughts on um, Test cricket where it's uh, heading? Uh, does it concern you, or if you're a traditionalist, uh, it does concern me somewhat. Um, just a, a bit of uh, housekeeping here as well. Uh, morning, Smithy and team. Just a note, New Zealand Nationals IRB uh, Surf Championships are on at Waihi Beach this weekend with teams from all over New Zealand and from Hawke's Bay that saved over 100 lives in the floods. Yeah, great stories of uh, those surf lifesavers, etc. And, uh, you know, 100 lives in the Hawke's Bay floods. There's a lot of heroes uh, who will come out of that at some stage and I think get well and truly rewarded in some capacity for some of the work that was done uh, with any prep just on uh, good old human instinct. 
um, and some of those stories that uh, I hear behind the scenes, I hope will come to uh, to come to the surface at some point, and those people get rewarded for that. Uh, Smithy, three halfbacks for the World Cup. I'd uh, take experienced players: Aaron Smith, Finlay Christie, and if fit, T.J. Perinara, uh, whose name has sort of disappeared off the radar, hasn't it, uh, because of injury? Otherwise, uh, Fokatava. That's uh, Ken, of course. And um, hey, Smithy, it will be Smith, Weber, and Christie because it's a World Cup year. Ian Foster is a risk-averse type coach, so he won't take Roy Gard. That's the way to out there for Fossil Fozzy. It's way too out there for him. But Roy Gard will slot in next year with Christie and form uh, a long-term combo. A side note on form, uh, how does Caleb Clark make the All Blacks? He has been awful this year. Caught uh, Akira Yoni cold uh, of... Uh, he caught the... Akira Ioane cold of low output, uh, apparently. Sean uh, Stevenson should replace, but again, Fozzie is very conservative. Uh, cheers, that is from uh, John. Another text come in and said, quite uh, straight, Smith, Weber and Christie. So uh, very interesting there. So uh, thanks to those. Keep them coming in. Uh, we shall read them out. Your three halfbacks for the World Cup, if it was to be uh, played tomorrow. Uh, we should take. Um, have you got anything from the sports desk, Ricardo? Or we'll, yeah. we'll take a short break. No, we've yeah. got a couple of things actually, mate. And and one of them, uh, I, I saw this morning. It only came through at about three o'clock this morning out of the US from ESPN, and uh, it's in regards to the NBL, the Australian NBL. Um, their competition continues uh, to gain respect over in the States and gain status. I think it, it's certainly rivaling the big European leagues now, uh, because. AJ Johnson, he's a California high school guard. He was projected to be a 2024 NBA draft lottery pick. He has told uh, ESPN that he has decommitted. Uh, I don't even know that was a word, but he has decommitted from the Texas Longhorns and instead signed a deal to pay, play with the Illawarra Hawks in the Australian National Basketball League. So he's basically given up his college career to go straight out of high school and play Australian NBL and then go into the NBA draft off the back of that. He's a six foot six senior, a uh, guard, and uh, he is the next American prospect to leap into the NBL's Next Stars program since Charlotte Hornets guard LaMelo Ball, who spent that season here in 2019-2020, and he was uh, number three uh, pick in the NBA draft overall at the end of things. Uh, he's an explosive open court player, considered to have elite playmaking ability and uh, he's uh, basically said that Jacob Jacomis, the Hawks coach has a reputation for superior player development so he wants to go there, work under him and then go to the NBA. Oh, interesting, okay. Uh, I've got one coming uh, through on the wire, I've just read, uh, picked it up, anything with a headline involving Brendan McCallum always attracts attention, of course, because of his association uh, with this uh, particular radio station. Uh, but apparently the England-Wales Cricket Board is talking to, uh, to Brendan uh, over his involvement with the betting organisation 22Bet. Um, that's uh, coming through the British media system. Um, Brendan joined the company as an ambassador in January, apparently, and has appeared in advertisements online. We've seen those. This has raised the ire of both the TAB and the Problem Gambling Foundation. Why the TAB? Uh, probably because it's a competitor. Uh, we are exploring the matter and are in discussions with Brendan around his relationship with 22Bet. The ECB have told the BBC, it's the English Cricket Board, uh, we have rules in place around gambling and would always seek to ensure that those are followed. Um, the re 
report uh, has, says that uh, the ECB have clarified that uh, Brennan is not currently under investigation. Uh, their anti-discrimination code says directly or indirectly soliciting, inducing, enticing, instructing, persuading, encouraging, my God, facilitating or authorising any other party to enter into a bet in relation to the result, progress, conduct or any other aspect of any match or competition is an offence. It is an offence. So uh, we shall uh, keep an eye on that. Um, uh, Brendan will be um, <clears throat> Brennan, Brennan will be very careful about that uh, I would imagine Okay, Mikey, g'day Mikey Mikey from Christchurch, good morning to you How's uh, Christchurch oh, this morning? Yeah, <laughs> wet <laughs> Not, wet, not great for okay. gardening But hey <laughs> Hey, um, just on a test cricket um, Ian um, it, it very much concerns me that, that in all of this, the big three India, England um, And Australia go missing when it comes to test cricket. They play each other quite happily, but they don't talk about playing other nations. And I know there's not as much money as, say, T20 and all that sort of carry-on. But if you think about in the past, like the great names like, say, Tendulka in India, they don't make their names playing T20. The great um, cricketers that we, that we love is all about test cricket. So these guys are going, they're just hiding their heads under the bushels here. I think it's disgusting that basically Test cricket will die from the inability of these three massive nations to not promote the game. It shouldn't be up to guys like McCullum and Stokes, um, and good on them for doing it, but it should be the administrators, not the players. Does that make any sense? It makes a lot of sense, uh, Mikey. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, And uh, the point you make about uh, superstars and when they got their rankings from is absolutely right. Um, these guys became uh, high-profile T20 players uh, out of Test cricket. There's no doubt about it. And so, um, a, a lot of people will, you know, they'll they'll say, well, you know, it's a generational thing, Mikey. That's the, I think that's one of the things they're up against, uh, the generational side of things, and, and the and the fact that um, kids these days, um, if you look at the demographics of people going to Test cricket. Uh, pretty much it's still the, old, the older generation that are supporting it day in, day out. Uh, and, and they're saying that that's our next market we have to appease. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I would hate to think it dies without every, uh, without every avenue being investigated. Uh, Greg Barclay is the chairman of the ICC at the moment. Um, he's been making statements about test cricket as such. But everything you hear about and everything they say, it's all financially based as opposed to anything else, Mikey. That's that's what worries me. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the strange thing is you got, you got someone like Coley, for example, and he raves about Test cricket and he tries to promote... He, I mean, he, he, he was on a massive mission to make uh, India the number one Test cricket team in the world. Now, if you look at numbers, he would have to be probably the most popular cricketer in the world. Um, Yet it seems to come down to the players doing their very, very best to promote it, but the administrators seem to be against them. I, I think you're right. I, I think um, we don't get many positive vibes about Test cricket in this country, do we? To be honest, uh, you know, you don't hear um, too many people um, from New Zealand cricket, apart from the players and maybe the coach, embellishing the values of Test cricket, do you? you they, they talk more about the timing of T20 cricket. Um, they're trying to survive with 50-over cricket and making sure that they at least get to the four-year cycle for World Cups. 
but you don't hear too many people. And this is from uh, a nation where not that long ago we were the world champs. It surprises me how it's whittled away so quickly. Remember those great <laughs> scenes of the mace, the mace and the, you know, Williamson and Taylor walking off arm in arm. And uh, where are those things going? Yeah. And the, and the irony is what some of the some of the greatest cricket we've seen in the last five years were those uh, very close wins in Test cricket just recently. But there you go. Yeah, yeah. There you oh, are. Well. Absolutely spot on. I, I, Thanks, I echo your thoughts, Mikey. Uh, at, at least there's yeah. two of us. At least there's two of us on the bandwagon, <laughs> mate. <laughs> Thanks Absolutely. for your call. Cheers, buddy. Have a have a terrific weekend. Cheers, uh, Mikey from Christchurch. There it's nine forty-five here on SNZ. You got to know when the whole Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Uh, well, yesterday we were, uh, were let down uh, last night by uh, the Dolphins, actually. I was very, very confident we took the Dolphins 11.5 points uh, start. Half time. Uh, absolutely thrilled with that bet. Um, and I just might have taken it myself with a little interest as well uh, because uh, I just thought it was. The way they've been playing at home, massive crowd too last night in Brisbane. Uh, I've got to say they are attracting a, a real audience. Uh, but the Rabbitohs just, just came back in the second half and smacked them to pieces. Absolutely. So we might talk a, a little bit about that with uh, Scotty Sattler uh, after uh, 11 o'clock this morning as we uh, look forward to the remainder of this weekend of uh, the NRL. Uh, so today, what are we going to go for today? Well, it's a weekend one really. Uh, I've got the Sharks to beat the Roosters. Uh, the slight outsiders, the Sharks, are out there at home uh, to beat the Roosters at $2.13. I shall show the faith in our team, the Warriors. Uh, the Warriors to beat the Cowboys at $1.87. And uh, also, uh, I believe that uh, this afternoon, and I've been reminded of that by Brett as well, thank you, um, the big game of uh, Super Rugby this afternoon, about 10 past four, is uh, Moana Pacifica. Uh, playing the Queensland Reds in Apia. Uh, that is uh, $2.20. Moana Pacifica, $2.20. So the Sharks into the Warriors into Moana Pacifica. Um, that uh, will multi you up at $8.76. Uh, all three of them, I think it's fair to say, uh, slight underdogs. Although the Warriors um, and uh, the Warriors and the Cowboys are, are dead even at $1.87. I think they're probably more favoured in Australia, uh, the Cowboys, on that particular market. Uh, so, yeah, we've got uh, plenty to talk about with uh, Mick Guerin uh, prior to quarter to 12 this uh, this morning because uh, it's the race by Grins tonight. Him and Louis will be there uh, running a show here on SENZ. He's also got involvement over the weekend uh, with the mail run and, of course, um, the Trots talk on uh, Sunday as well. So, Mick, very busy weekend for us. Uh, the races today, we'll talk to Louis about that a little bit later on, but races today at Awapuni, including the Manawatu size produce, uh, sorry, the size produce, it's, uh, the breeder's stakes, in fact, Manawatu breeder's stakes, um, and uh, tomorrow, of course, galloping at Tarapa, Hastings and Rickerton Park. So three gallops meetings tomorrow, so four in the space of two days, uh, some very busy jockeys floating around the scene no doubt about that. Uh, we shall take a quick break, uh, and when we return... In fact, I'll give you a golf update. Uh, RBC Heritage said that Ryan Fox had pulled out uh, due to ill health. No problem uh, with that at all. At the moment, Hovland, Victor Hovland is 7-under. Brian Harmon is 6-under. Zach Johnson, minus 5. And Matthew Fitzpatrick, who I think is a bit of a smoky to do very well in this tournament. His form is just turning around at the right time. 
uh, I think is a real possibility. Coming up to 9.54 here on SCNZ. When it comes to sport, you don't always... Yeah, nice bet uh, Matt had. Uh, hey, Smithy, I had uh, first try Dolphins, then uh, Dolphins to lead at halftime, then Rabbits to win. Paid 10 bucks. So I'm a happy lad, Matt. Uh, you certainly should be, but at half time you wouldn't have thought the, the third part was going to get up. They were just playing so well, and you thought um, they'll go in the dressing room. Uh, Wayne Bennett will get um, the right message through to them again. They'll come out hot, and they'll be hard to run down. Anything but. They just fell apart, and uh, the Rabbitohs were supreme uh, on that. Um, also, uh, a text coming in. Does Roy Gard keep his starting position in the Hurricanes when TJ comes back? Well... TJ's a while away, and of course, TJ, when he comes back, it'll be via the bench. Um, and on this form, you'd have to say no. Yeah, I mean, you just certainly you have to say no. Roy Gard's just playing amazing rugby. Um, and I hope they do look at the likes of Roy Gard uh, for the All Blacks this year, in the early games anyway. Uh, because what's the point of uh, looking at Super Rugby if you're not picking the form players out of it? Sounds a little bit familiar in terms of New Zealand cricket. Anyway, uh, let's uh, get uh, stuck into some footy after uh, 10 o'clock, shall we? Let's talk to Tim Payne from the Wellington Phoenix. Look forward to that. Time to talk some uh, football now in the A-League. It's a very important weekend for the Wellington Phoenix. Uh, They, of course, are playing the Brisbane Brisbane Roar on Sunday at Eden Park. Uh, The run-off into the playoffs. They've got three games uh, remaining. The other two are on Australian soil. So uh, you get the feeling that uh, this is so, so important, uh, this outing in Auckland. Uh, On the line, uh, talking to us this morning, um, very pleased to say is uh, Tim Payne, of course, a white defender, Wellington Phoenix as well. Uh, Tim, good morning to you. Uh, As a Phoenix fan, and there are many, many of them around the country, should we just be a little bit worried with the trend at the moment? Yeah, morning, Smithy. Um, No, of course not. Look, we, we know what's at stake in these last three games, and we had a big game on Sunday at Eden Park, but uh, Eden Park's been a, a little bit of a fortress for us over the years, so we hope to continue that reign of, uh, the run of form up there. Tim Ricardo here, mate. Uh, you, Eden Park and then two trips to Sydney, uh, so you're not at home for the rest of the season and unless you, you sneak a home semi-final. How, how tough is that? Yeah, it's obviously not ideal. We've got um, Western Sydney as well, which is... You know, a team that have uh, performed well this season. But, look, I think we can't look too far ahead of those uh, games away in Sydney. We've just got to focus about this weekend, get the three points, and then obviously move on from there. You've got uh, a couple of issues at the back. Scott Wooten's had an injury. Of course, you've got a, uh, a suspension to deal with now as well after that red card last week. Uh, how's things looking in terms of personnel at the back? Is, is Scott going to be fit? Yeah, Scott's, I think, still uh, assessing that. Um, we're not too sure if he's going to be fit or not. I'm sure they'll make the, the right decision. Um, but uh, if, that, if that's the case, we've got you know, Nico Boxall, who hasn't um, yet had a start for Phoenix, and Finn Sermon, the other young boy, who's you know, been fantastic when he's been given opportunity. So it gives someone else a chance to step into Scotty's shoes and perform, which is exciting. Mate, on that, that last weekend, uh, the, the pitch that you guys played on in Melbourne, you played on it less than 24 hours after there was a super rugby match on it. On the TV, it looked awful. Uh, what was it like to play on? Yeah, it wasn't great at all. I think there had been about um, five professional sports games over the weekend on it leading up into that one. Um, so it wasn't ideal, but 
yeah, look, there was no excuse for us. We both teams are playing on that pitch, and um, we got a bit of a lesson, um, which hopefully we can learn a few things from moving forward to this weekend. Do you think it played a part in the red card? Because it, it, it looked like you just misjudged the bounce, right? Yeah, potentially. Um, I'm not too sure you'd have to ask, ask Lawsy that. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure, but yeah, obviously the, the pitch wasn't fantastic. Now, uh, you got Brisbane Roar, as Smithy mentioned, this weekend at Eden Park. Uh, who do you need to stop to be able to get past those guys? Because they've been a bit up and down, haven't they? They've, they've won one, lost one, won one, lost one for a little while. Yeah, they're pretty unpredictable. They've got a, a new manager who's uh, played a lot of different formations throughout his uh, short stint there at the club. But I think the big thing for us is we just have to perform this weekend ourselves. You know, it's a focus on if we can play to our potential, then you know, I think the result takes care of, the, of itself. So, it's, yeah, it's just about us getting the performance, playing well um, and coming away with the three points. Now, did you? I, you probably watched a bit of tape on them this week, but I, I, I watched the game last weekend against Newcastle, and Newcastle pretty much left the barn doors open through the middle a few times. Uh, has that been a focus for you guys? Um, I think, again, like I said, um, it's been an interesting aspect because they've played a few different formations. Um, and I think the big emphasis of uh, this week you know, that we've been saying is that, you know, we just need to perform, we need to play to our strength, play how we've been playing all season. Um, obviously, there's little little bits and pieces that we'll touch on probably today about what they what they do with the ball and things like that and how we could potentially hurt them. But I think, you know, we've got the players and the personnel to go out there and uh, affect them no matter what formation or what players they bring. Uh, Tim, uh, obviously you, you need to be a, a settled unit right at this particular point of the season, but there is speculation uh, around uh, head coach Ufuk Tole's future. Has he been saying anything uh, to you guys about it? I mean, there's talk in the media, uh, so I suppose a little bit unsettling. Has, it been, has that been addressed or has he said anything about that? No, look, it's just as, uh, it's business as usual. We're just focusing, uh, as I said before, on the next game. Um, whatever Uffi decides to do, that's, you know, that's his decision. Um, if it is the case that he's leaving, he's, he's spent four years and four fantastic years at the Phoenix. He's been a fantastic person for the Phoenix and coach. Um, but look, I, yeah, that's not something I'm too worried about. It's not my business, and I just got to worry about performing on, on, on Sunday. Tim, you've got those three games left. Uh, have you guys set yourselves a target on how many points you think you need from th- those three games for A, to, to, to make sure you're in the playoffs, and B, to maybe even try and get a home semi? Yeah, win all three. <laughs> um, no, I, I, again, it's it's... You can't look too far forward. Uh, you can't worry potentially or what could happen and what team might win here or there. I think we just got to try and pick up maximum points and see where we end up at the end of the season. What about your role within the team, mate? I mean, you have uh, shifted around a little bit this season. You, you've played centre-back, you've played right-back. I think at one point uh, uh, when there was a few uh, injuries and suspensions in midfield, you, you even slotted into midfield. Um, how have you, how's, how's this season been for you personally? Yeah, it's been an interesting one. Um, I obviously played yeah uh, a lot at left centre back, right centre back, and then occasionally at right back. It's uh, especially as I'm getting a little bit older, it's never easy going from centre back to right back. Is the 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 um, the running involved at right back is significantly increased um, compared to centre back. But I enjoyed my time at centre back. I think it, it it suits me as a player having everything in front of me. 
Um, yeah, so I'm I'm just enjoying playing centre back there and been playing quite a few games there, which has been good. I think you first moved there under Danny Hay when you were at Eastern Suburbs, right? Um, and um, before that, you'd really been a sixer, uh, a holding midfielder who kind of you know won the ball back and then and then started the play. Um, how does that help you? Do you think in your game going forward? Yeah, I think been uh, probably playing a lot a lot of different positions throughout uh, my career is, I guess, added and all added up to the player that I am. It's you know playing six you don't necessarily receive the ball um, facing forward always and you're trying to get on the half turn and you know, I think it's really important about reading the game which is probably something I've transitioned into centre back um, it makes the job a, a little bit easier from I guess going from a six to a centre back where you have a little bit more time on the ball and as I said everything's in front of you so that's definitely probably aided um, the ball uh, the ball playing side of things in that, uh, in that aspect um, but then obviously a little bit different in regards to the defending aspect and being that last man and, you know, having to organise a lot in front of you and, um, you know, when your aerial battles and things like that. Do you feel like you've taken on more of a leadership role this season at the Phoenix? Um, well, I, I don't think I've uh, tried to do anything different. Um, I'd just be the person that I am and the player that I am and that's, you know, I'm quite loud on the pitch and try and help people out as much as possible. Um, I just keep, you know, showing up to training and training hard and doing all the, all the things... Uh, in a positive light and I guess in that aspect try and um, help some of the younger boys by setting an example but yeah look I just continue doing what I have been doing for the last little while. Uh, Tim, I don't know if, if you've seen this story, but uh, it's come out of, of Holland, uh, Pex Voller, where Ryan Thomas is playing. Uh, the captain there, Bram Van Pollen, has negotiated a new contract, which will see everybody that buys a season ticket get a free beer from him via Heineken and the club. Um, when you sign your next deal, what are you, you going to shout the yellow fever? <laughs> that sounds bloody great, doesn't it? It's a great incentive. Um, I wish something like there, there would be something like that um, for our fans. You know, we've always talked about um, trying to get uh, more students and things along to the game, and something like a free beer with ticket on entry would be would be a fantastic um, incentive to get them along. And yeah, why not? I don't know what I could potentially offer, but I mean that sounds pretty good. Sounds like a top guy. <laughs> it does sound like a top guy, and we understand you're a very generous bloke by nature, anyway, Tim. But hey, hey, listen, here's the thing: um, 29 years of age. Um, what about the future for Tim Payne? I mean, you've tasted a little bit of footy overseas. Um, do you still keep the avenues open there in that regard, or, or are you sort of um, looking at the fact that New Zealand might or the A League might be your base, and you're going ahead? Look, I think it's you know every every footballer, I think every professional athlete wants to always be testing themselves and always trying to play at the highest possible level. So. To say that that doesn't still interest me, uh, I'd be lying. Um, but look, I'm I'm very settled at the Phoenix here. I'm enjoying my time. Um, yeah, like, it just is something that if you know we just I just got to continue to perform for the Phoenix, and I've still got another two years here. So I'm looking forward to helping this team um, push forward and hopefully bring home some silverware. Um, and that's my main focus at the moment. Uh, Tim, speaking of silverware, your old team, Blackburn Rovers, you spent quite a bit of time over there. They're currently sixth in the championship, mate. They're in a playoff spot at the moment. Uh, you stay in touch with uh, many back there. What chance do you give them of of uh, joining old rivals Burnley back in the Premier League next season? 
Yeah, I mean, the championship uh, is an incredibly tough league. Um, there's so many good teams in it, and they play so many games throughout the season. So, I mean, in, in a couple of weeks, they could jump those positions or they could be down the middle of the table. It's a, it can be that tight. Um, funnily enough, a lot, a lot of the boys that were there while I was there um, have, have moved on, so there's not many actually players that I know um, at Blackburn. Um, but yeah, I do keep in touch with a couple of Irish boys um, who... Uh, one's back in Ireland and uh, one's uh, playing for Middlesbrough on the champ. Um, uh, just a little, little text messages here and there. But, yeah, um, hopefully Batman Rovers can do it. It'd be fantastic to see such a big club like that back in the Prem. So, Tim, uh, from uh, this weekend's point of view, uh, what are we looking at uh, just after 10 o'clock on a Friday morning? The game kicks off 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon at Eden Park. What do the Phoenix do between now and then as a unit? What do you do? Um, well, we had a we had a very hard session yesterday, um, so it's, I'm not too sure what today. I think today might be a little bit lighter, but today we usually we work on our attacking patterns and our um, potential ways we're going to hurt them um, with the ball um, and maybe a little bit of possession-based stuff. Um, and then tomorrow it's just it's very very light where we um, set up a defensive shape, go through a little bits and pieces, do some set pieces, and then. After that, we'll get on a flight up to Auckland um, and just rest, relax, and prepare uh, for the game on Sunday afternoon. We've spoken a lot to um, club management, um, coaching staff about uh, the facilities that, that you have available to you for training, but we haven't really spoken to many players about those uh, those facilities. So how have you found the, them this year? Yeah, they're unbelievable. Um, obviously, I was lucky enough to be at Blackburn when they were a Premier League team. Um, it was a few years ago now. Um, but the facilities uh, be rivaling that, if not better, um, than that standard. So it's got everything that we need here to perform. There's, there's not, they haven't left a stone unturned. Um, yeah, it's immac- the pitches are immaculate. The gym's unbelievable. They've got hot, cold pools, cryotherapy, um, you name it, they've got it. So it's, it's a pretty special place, and we're just very lucky that Phoenix have, have, have got us there and they said now there's no excuse for us to perform and it helps all these young boys and the Phoenix as a, as a club to develop these um, hopefully potential professional football players. Well, that next performance, of course, is uh, Sunday afternoon at Eden Park. Let's hope you get a terrific crowd behind you. Um, it may well, may not be uh, your last performance on home soil this year, but certainly it's a very, very important one. That is against the Brisbane Roar. Hey, Tim, thanks very much for your time. All the best uh, for Sunday and uh, going forward for the rest of the season. Cheers. Cheers, fellas. Thank you very much. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Tim Payne there, of course, uh, all-white defender. Uh, very key part to uh, the back room there for uh, the Wellington Phoenix these days as well. Um, they have to get that uh, sort of thing, uh, that area of the game in order. They have to be tight and uh, just convert those opportunities they get. Uh, it's a must-win I think for a number of reasons, Ricardo. Um, but mentally, I think as much as anything, as a sporting uh, player, um, you you need to know that you've still got the ability uh, to get the maximum points, and you're not just clawing your way through towards the end of a season. I think it's a big, quite a defining game, actually. Yeah, it's a, a big game. I mean, there's still an op- uh, there's still a, p- a potential for them not to make the playoffs at all. Uh, and you know when you consider that they were so comfortably in the playoffs for a long time and uh, in the race for that home semi-final, uh, that'd be a massive blow uh, to the confidence of the, of, the, of the playing group. I think going into next season, if they don't make the playoffs this season, so yeah, must win this this weekend against Brisbane.
And I hope it hasn't coincided, Ricardo, with the fact that, uh, you know, there's talk of uh, Ufuk not being there next year. In fact, probability that he won't be there next year. Uh, since that talk has sort of become a little bit more prominent, I've, I've sort of detected a bit of uh, decline in performance. I can't imagine that would be that, that way, though, would it? I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't think it would be conscious, but it might be subconscious, right? Because you're playing for a coach that you know is not going to be there next se- season, so you're not exactly playing for your spot, if you know what I mean, because you're going to have a new guy through the door in the off-season and you can go again. Uh, that said, though, I'd, I'd, I think these guys want to win, right? I mean, they're professional athletes. That's what they want to do. So, uh, I mean, you know, for their own sakes, uh, they want to be in the playoffs. They want to give themselves a shot at winning the title. Uh, okay, interesting football talk there. Uh, with Tim Payne. Uh, thanks, Ricardo. We'll uh, take a short break. When we come back, we've uh, got a panel with uh, Aidan McLaughlin and Sam Ackerman this morning. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, this morning, uh, the panel consists of uh, Aidan McLaughlin and the recently returned from Australia, Sam Ackerman. So uh, we'll get on to, to that uh, and uh, Sam's experience uh, over there at, uh, I think, uh, Suncorp Stadium, in, in fact. But First of all, Aidan, uh, subject dear to you, uh, the future of Test cricket. Uh, test matches may end up being played by as few as five or six nations in soccer-style international windows. In other words, they'll be uh, released from their franchises back to their countries, of all things. Uh, if everything's going to be about T20 cricket, uh, would you continue to watch it as such? Uh, w- w- and the future of Test cricket for you? Yeah, morning, Smithy, and morning to you, Sam. Um, yeah, I guess it's just a... a it's a frustrating uh, proposition for me personally, and I know a lot of people uh, will feel the same. It seems to me that uh, people who love test cricket, um, for them it's their favourite form of the game. But it seems to me that as the generations go by, that number of people that, that love the, the, the game of test cricket um, seems to be dwindling. I think it's just a reflection on, on where we are in society at the moment, um, the the game of T20 is really growing and however much we we may be frustrated by that not by the growth of T20 that that's important that the game is growing whatever game whatever area it's growing in but at the detriment to test cricket oh, it, it's really frustrating for me and many others and um, I, I just I just worry though because it does seem to be a slippery slope these these propositions do seem to be growing in momentum um, I just hope it doesn't come to that but I am worried yes you're worried, uh, Sam. Um, I'll get you to touch on the cricket as well because I know you've got a, a at least a passing interest in it. And um, you're, I, I would imagine, you're in the the, the kind of um, age group uh, really that we're talking about here. The age group that are, have seen good Test cricket. I mean, we've seen great Test cricket in this country this year, for instance, and they were they were thrilling affairs. But also leaning towards the shorter time, the entertainment t- uh, aspect of things that T20 course brings. Uh, morning, Smithy and Aiden. First of all, I'll point out the the factor that it takes um, that I think that um, I bring the lens to is I'm a parent of three young kids, and I can tell you, as a matter of fact, T20 is a prospect to them. If I put both in front of them, they are drawn to T20. Dad, can we go to the T20 when it's in town? I, I when I say the test match on, it's, they they look at me like I've just spoken in a foreign language to them. It's not. This is while while when the test's on and, and they're watching me watch it in the exciting moments, they get right into it. And that, the passion and, and the drama that comes that it, we all know that test cricket can only really provide. 
they they get right into that. But that is you're talking about a small window within the con, within the prospect of five days. Now I I watch T20 cricket, and if T20 cricket becomes even more of a dominant feature, I'll I'll still watch it. But I honestly, and this is hand on heart, I don't remember the results. I don't remember who wins series. I don't. I barely remember who wins the World Cups, and the IPLs. I, I know who the good franchises are, but I can't. If you ask me, to run through who played where and what. For, I've, got, I've got no show. The test moments for New Zealand, uh, for uh, the big games, the the Ashes, the the great test results around the world, the the Brian Lara innings. We remember those. They stand out. They have a, a significance. Very few people go. Oh, I wish you washy around that. They ha- they have. A purpose, and I, I listen. The window that they're talking about, and I, I, it doesn't sound too far removed from what Test cricket is now. To be entirely honest with you, it, it doesn't sound like it's that different because you, we're really talking about dropping a few nations off, and it's not like we've started adding Test matches against Ireland in recent years, is it? So, it is a um, a, a frustrating proposition. I think Test cricket being um, set up as something of a uh, a marquee product is probably the the, the most uh, logical way to go from here. Because um, I, I don't think there's really an appetite, really, an appetite for a lot more test cricket. But the test cricket mm. we're getting, we need to protect viciously. Savage, we, we need to ring fence it and say it cannot uh, go down from what this is uh, once it reaches a certain stage. Otherwise, uh, you lose the game. But look, T20 is great, and as Aidan says, it grows the audience, but it's growing a very different audience. Uh, and yes, I am old enough to have. Test cricket still be my uh, my one and only um, true love of, of the game. I remember 50 overs as well. The the World Cup spirit that you guys played in uh, here with the young guns that was the the spark for for me going from a, a interest in cricket to a cricket lover. Those things matter, and and so it's, so is T20. But honestly, it it needs to be a ring post sometime soon for Test cricket. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think there needs to be some definitive uh, around it. Uh, the World Test Championship is brought a new dimension to it where test matches tend to mean a wee bit more than they used to. Uh, I think that's a, a big step in the right direction, but uh, they need bigger steps by the sound of it. Um, Aidan, uh, the Hurricanes have uh, issued a plea to New Zealand rugby to finalise their all-black coaching staff for 2024. Uh, in other words, those guys going in alongside Razor Robertson. Uh, as, and they want it done as soon as the next fortnight so they can start their search for a possible replacement for Jason Holland. Uh, so I would imagine they're resigned to the fact on that they're losing Jason Holland. Who did they line up then? Well, first of all, Smithy, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, so many people did not want the All Blacks head coach appointed before the World Cup. They wanted it to be afterwards. Can you imagine what a mess it would be if that was the case? At least now with Scott Robertson in place, he has the opportunity to go out and select uh, his, his backroom staff. Um, and it seems that there will be a number of uh, Super Rugby head coaches involved in that. Um, So, yeah, what a mess it would be if this didn't happen for another six or seven months. But putting that to one side, I think, I I guess it depends how far they want to cast the net. Um, If they want to look overseas, if they really want to do a a big process and see everyone that's available out there for next season, um, then who knows where they might end up. But to me, Chris Gibbs is at the Hurricanes as an assistant coach. He's been there for a few years. Um, he has good head coach experience, um, not only with the Wellington Lions, he, but he's been, um, he's been with Waikato. He's been overseas. He's been in Japan, Georgia. He's had uh, under-20 experience with New Zealand. 
um, and he's been at the Pro 14. So here is a coach in the environment already who has uh, international experience, head coach experience. So to me, um, I think he would be a strong favourite um, if they want to, uh, to to look within their own environment. But who knows how far they w- might want to cast that net. Yeah, interesting point, actually. Uh, we'll take a very quick news break here with uh, Araha. When we come back, I'm very keen to talk to uh, Sam because he's been uh, over in Australia and uh, experienced a, a bit of um, stadium flavour there. Love to hear about that. Uh, that's coming up shortly here on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, uh, we've got uh, Aidan McLaughlin and uh, Sam Ackerman uh, with us this morning. Sam just uh, barely arrived home uh, from a trip to Australia. Sam, where you had, uh, uh, what, a Suncorp experience, did you? And uh, you want to just um, compare them to home? Perhaps for us. Yeah, and, and look, and look for, for, uh, got to get to the uh, the Broncos versus Raiders game, and, and look, first of all, uh, it, it, we've been very clear we're not comparing um, apples with apples if we're talking about a, a stadium experience in in Brisbane would be uh, the compared to anything here, and I suppose that the most natural comparison would be Mount Smart because I thoroughly enjoy the Mount Smart experience. I love what Mount Smart is. I love the uh, the vibe there. So. But really interesting to go to uh, the Broncos. Obviously, been to a fair few league uh, games and grounds throughout my uh, career, and it's been a while since I've been uh, at Suncorp as a punter. Uh, and obviously, you know, particularly with lack of travel in the last few years, and the experience there. Uh, and I've been talking to some of the locals. They they certainly are uh, building up that experience because now there's for the first time in forever they've got competition right with the dolphins uh vying for um attention and affection as well but it, it is such a full-on uh, uh a machine it's a machine that rolls out uh it's, the pre-game isn't just letting a couple of kids run around have a tackle it's not some old you know busting out somebody uh to sing a couple of a uh, couple of tunes that you may or may not have heard of the the it's a laser light show um, for the night games that is incredible fireworks pre-game and the like. I literally had people in front of us uh, who was there because they brought their uh, they came along and their daughters only came along with them because of the pre-game and the halftime entertainment and they you know, and they were right into it. They're uh, jumping up and down. The the vendors of 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 food concessions while of course somewhat gouchy as uh, as it tends to be in uh, such locked off uh, scenarios they had such a wide array including red rooster that did you know one of the big chicken franchises was was just set up in the middle of there they had a uh, alcoholic um frozen slushy uh station where uh, adults just queuing up to grab these fluorescent um things to have a a drink while they're at the game the the whole setup is it's pretty phenomenal and at a stadium where there is actually not a bad seat uh, in the house. And it, 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 there is so much money behind this. Make no mistake, when you talk about the, the rock star clubs, the glamour clubs within um, the NRL, you might look at the, the Panthers and you might look at the Roosters and the, the Storm, the teams that are tr- historically winning titles. Nobody touches the Broncos. The Broncos may not be winning titles, but they are making money hand over fist. They're hugely influential. A game against the Raiders, yes, they were top of the table, uh, brings in just a walk-up lazy crowd of 30,000 uh, for it. And they, the, I'm told the key behind it is they do all their own ticketing. So every cent that when you buy a ticket, it all goes to the Broncos. It's not going through to the ticket techs and the, or the like. You are 
the Broncos have, have got this huge conglomerate going uh, and they can pump all that money into their pre-game uh, entertainment and the incredible graphics packages they have. Um, it, it is quite the experience um, being back in a stadium that size again and, and watching how they do it. Um, it is, yeah, it's a machine and it is awe-inspiring to watch. Yeah, it is intriguing actually. Uh, I've been to a lot of those stadiums uh, purely as a commentator, of course, never as a punter, but uh, I, you can get the feel from a commentary box. Uh, even if you poke your nose out for five minutes, you, you get the sense of an occasion more so than uh, you certainly do here. There's, there's no doubt about it, Sam. Uh, good reflection there. We'll get back to a bit of league shortly because uh, it's a massive weekend again. Um, Aidan, uh, another moral issue for you to look at here, and that is this uh, Premier League now uh, clubs in England have agreed to ban sponsorship from gambling companies on the front of their shirts. OK, you can have them on the sleeve if you like. But on the front, the high-profile one, uh, no more sight of um, any gambling institutions uh, at all. And uh, we all know, uh, and you will know, uh, just how much uh, influence betting is, uh, gambling is, uh, in England society. There's a betting shop on nearly every corner. So um, what do you make of this? Well, there is, Smithy, and I've worked in a few of them over the years as well, I can tell you. So um, I, I guess... If you go back a few decades, there was so much sports sponsorship, um, especially naming rights for tournaments and competitions, etc. And tobacco was the main industry. Then, of course, tobacco was banned from from being able to to give those naming rights. And in recent years, um, we see so many gambling websites now, don't we? Uh, not only is you know the naming rights for very, whether it's darts or snooker or things like this, um, but as you say now, shirt shirts as well. You know, the front of shirts, and I think it's. Eight Premier League clubs at the moment actually have gambling companies advertising on the front of their shirts. So in a few years' time, that is going to be a big, um, a big hole in income. The interesting thing for me, though, is that if it was such a, uh, a question of morality, then to your point, um, the, the clubs are still going to be able to have brands on their shirt sleeves, you know, the advertising around the ground the LED advertising, etc. So, so it's almost like it's, um, you know, we're willing to go so far, but we, we can't, you know, we can't cut off this funding completely. So to me, it's, it's an interesting one. The, the gambling brands are still going to be very visible. They'll find a way um, to, to promote their brands. And there's just so many of them now. That's the other thing. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it, it's a step in a certain direction, but it's really, you know, it's not going the full way, is it? Let's be honest. No, it's not. Um, it's still uh, uh, able to be on the, the sleeves, etc. And look, I just wonder where it's all going next, though. I can remember back to the days uh, Sam Ackerman of the Winfield Cup, um, Benson and Hedges uh, cricket in Australia, Rothmans in New Zealand, etc. Those uh, days seem like uh, ancient history to me anyway, and now we're, we're looking at the betting side of it as well. Um, and I wonder when the, if uh, the people are responsible for this get their way on this around the world, what is their next target? I personally am, am I don't know whether it's because of, of watching you know, movies like uh, Thank You for Smoking and, uh, and, and those with the, lobby, with the lobby groups and some thoughts on how things operate there. This is, to me, sounds like a play by the 
uh, by the gambling groups going, well, let's do this, let's make a headline that we're backing out here because they don't they don't need to be front and centre and people going, look, look, look at it. Just enough, as Aidan's saying, subliminal stuff around it and continued support. They're not being ushered out of the game. They're just being taken off a shirt front. So I'm not, yeah, you know, I'm not getting too concerned about that because this will be a uh, a partnership move since you're allowed to still be everywhere else but the front of shirt. But the the concept the concept of of, of using morality to make choices on um, shirts. I mean, obviously we know there's uh, things like the Qatar sponsorship being a, a major issue uh, around human rights and the like. Now that's that's a, a very extreme end where a lot of people can can come to a consensus. But you know, by that same token, does is, is uh, a fizzy drinks so is McDonald's allowed to sponsor sport um, if, if they are considered a, um, a weapon and uh, childhood obesity. There's a lot of things to take into account um, when you're making those decisions um, and what you're comfortable as an organisation morally is fine. I, I, problem gambling is obviously a problem. It is, yeah, you don't want that to be, it can cripple families, it can be a major issue for people who are able to do it. That's not to say any form of gambling should always be viewed as a, a problem or an issue. It's not that gambling can still function within society. It's not like we're suddenly talking about ripping down casinos, is it? So um, it's, a, it's a real delicate line and everyone needs to see to be on the right side of that conversation. And that's where I see it for the Premier League. Okay, uh, interesting, fellas. Thanks very much for your insights there. I've unfortunately run out of time because I really wanted to touch on, on the Warriors with you, Sam. But that is uh, tomorrow afternoon. Warriors and the Cowboys uh, will get a, a view from Sam on uh, on a review side of it uh, next week, hopefully. Thank you to uh, Aidan as well for your thoughts there on a couple of uh, moral, moral issues as much as sporting ones. Uh, 10.42 here on SENZ. Uh, we'll have another panel on Monday morning. The Love Racing.NZ update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. <laughs> Uh, Louis Herman Watt joins us uh, this morning um, on the morning before the night that will be. Uh, but uh, racing kicks off a little bit earlier than that, uh, Louis, to be fair. Uh, in fact, a couple of hours away, the first of eight at Awapuni, including um, the uh, Breeders' Stakes there, which is uh, a, a time-honoured event. Uh, where do we start? Um, I suppose we could start there, but uh, your main focus tonight is uh, hosting a show with uh, Mick Guerin uh, on course. Yes, on course, Smithy. Can't wait to get down there and um, hopefully we've got some pennies left to spend after today at Awapuni. But it should be an awesome, um, it should be a really, really cool night uh, at Cambridge, the second year that they've got this going. The Night of Champions is the group who trot on the card as well, so that absolutely fired up. And as I say, um, Awapuni races, so the Manawatu Breeders, this is a fantastic race. You can um, really just have an opinion in this race. I am with Aromatic pretty firmly. Because I thought she was unlucky in the uh, thoroughbred breeders, the group one last weekend, and she gets the quick back up up to 2,000 metres, where it's probably more her distance anyway. So I'm uh, I'm with Aromatic, but you know people are making the case for Pride of Aspen, Zola Express, Kelly Co. So I'm uh, I'm happy to for people to have their own way here, but I'm with uh, Aromatic, and in the race prior, Islington last Alan Sharrick looks a really good bet. Maybe if you one of one, a two dollar twenty shot today, just to double your money. I think race six is Lincoln last. You can back with some confidence. What can we expect tonight when we listen in? Oh, just energy, absolute energy. Um, Mick will be tipping out a million winners with any luck, and 
We'll have interviews with Natalie Rasmussen. We'll try and catch up with some of the Aussie participants. We'll see if we can talk to James Beast, who is owner of Self Assured, and lets us share in this journey every time the race comes around. So um, Jean was good enough to join us last year. I'm sure she'll jump on the mic this year. She loves her horses and um, she loves her harness racing. So looking forward to that and just all of the colour. And hopefully if he wins, we can have pandemonium again and I can jump the fence and go and put a microphone in Natalie's face and, and she can tell us all about how good Self Assured was. That would be brilliant uh, if you get to do the repeat act uh, on that. And then, of course, um, tomorrow um, you'll be busy again in the morning as uh, we look forward to um, the Hawke's Bay, Power Farming Hawke's Bay Cup, of course. There's racing at uh, Rickerton, Tarapa. Um, jockeys will be spread far and wide to meet the re- uh, commitments there, I'm sure. Um, and then across uh, to Randwick for the, what, the culmination of the championship uh, three weeks. Uh, yeah, that's right. Mick Guerin's just walked in the door. He's absolutely he's got his aviators on and he's looking great with his ripped jeans, by the way, Smithy. So that means he's fired up. Um, yes, Randwick. So Zaki's looking like he's going to come back fresh and be hard to stop. But Giga Cook goes up against that uh, really nice three-year-old. And as you said, um, Waisaki gets his cup go um, in Hawke's Bay. And 53 kgs, gee whiz, that'll be the, the littlest weight he's carried in some time, probably since the Wellington Cup, I would have imagined. So he'll be hard to stop mm. there. And Rickerton, I like Robbie Patterson's team that's going down there in particular. Margaret of Veloce in the last. Uh, stays in the same rating, uh, rating band from a good barrier draw on all sorts of tracks. I think he'll be hard to stop. So this, there's a tip for about four different courses. Love it, uh, Louis. Uh, most importantly, enjoy the evening. It's a uh, promise of, to be uh, very, very special. Race by Grins tonight, folks. Uh, it's, uh, I think, at 8.50 um, and uh, a million bucks. A million bucks. Have a terrific weekend, man. Right, uh, Louis's gone. It's cool. Um, but that means uh, we've got the time to talk to Pip Morrison. We'll do that shortly. Right, it's 10.57 coming up, and uh, we're about to talk to uh, Pip Morris, who, of course, is very, very busy on uh, trackside uh, over the course of a week, but particularly on Saturdays and uh, Saturday again tomorrow, Pip, so you'll have plenty on. Uh, incidentally, before we get on to the racing side of things, how are them Panthers going this year? Are you confident? I am, Smithy. I mean, they've still got a little bit to work on, but I do really like Sonny Luke, I think, in that dummy half. I know Mitch Kenny starts there, but I just think as the season progresses, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being the starting hooker. And I just think he's got a little bit of Apicorosau about him as well. So that's the key with Nathan Cleary, who's certainly playing well. And we've still got plenty of our good defensive team. I do think we'll still be in that top four this year. Okay, cool. We're going to be talking to Scotty Sattler actually after uh, 11 o'clock, so uh, former Panther himself, so uh, we'll get his impressions on that as well. Uh, but, but it's a very, very busy day uh, leading into a very busy weekend. There's uh, uh, Addington Greyhounds uh, plus the Addington Extra Greyhounds plus uh, uh, Whanganui's back on the radar. Tell us a wee bit about that. Yeah, it certainly is. We've only got the seven races just to start us off with quite a few small trainers as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Mum and Dad actually have a big team in, including one of my own that I own, True Hurt. So I quite like her off the ace alley, although our three-shirt day looks to be um, a really key chance in that race as well. But yeah, it should just be great just to have a hat-trick raceway back. It's been nearly two years, so hopefully the, our meeting gets off with a bang. It's a brand-new winning post, and you're really looking forward to it. Right, sports betting over the weekend. Uh, what what are your standouts? 
Well, we're going to talk about the Crusaders, sorry, the Hurricanes up against the Chiefs. So, so far, the betting is really head-to-head, but I can tell you the Chiefs are just narrowly starting to pinch away slightly in that head-to-head market. And the favoured winning team in margin, Chiefs 1-2 to at $2.70. Then as far as the NRL goes this evening, the Roosters at $1.65 are taking the most money. And you've got Brandon Smith or Joey Manu at the first try scorer at $10 is popular. Storm at $1.55 and Cameron Munster first, second or third try scorer and Melbourne win 1-12 to at $10 is very, very popular there. No surprise, Smitty. The Warriors, of course, playing on Saturday against the Cowboys. Popular there, 80% of the market on them head-to-head. The Warriors 1-12 to at $3 and the Warriors lead for half and full-time at two seventy-five is the most popular option there. So, so much sports to get involved in. And the Hawks Bay Cup as well. Don't forget about that with the bonus black across all four of our main meetings. Pip, uh, you have a terrific weekend. I know you'll, you'll be working for most of it, but thank you very much indeed for that information this morning. Yes, um, Hawke's Bay Power Farming, Hawke's Bay Cup on tomorrow locally. Uh, let's hope uh, they have a decent day for it at the moment. Overcast, so not sure what the track is at the moment, but hopefully no rain before that. Uh, and the golf, uh, Victor Hovland is leading uh, the, uh, the heritage at the moment from Brian Harmon. Uh, Aaron Rye, uh, Joel Damon and Matthew Fitzpatrick uh, breathing down his neck. So that's where we're at with that. Just a strong field backing up from the Masters. Uh, so we shall be with uh, Scotty Settler straight after the break uh, to look at uh, what's happening in league over the weekend. Yes, uh, just after 11 o'clock here in New Zealand time. Uh, back in uh, Australia, of course, it's a good deal earlier. And uh, we're very grateful then that uh, Scotty Settler has made himself available to us. Of course, Scotty, 203 first uh, grade games with uh, five clubs, including the Gold Coast, uh, the Panthers, and the Tigers. Uh, Scott, uh, very pleased that you're able to join us, mate. Uh, thank you very much. No worries, Smitty. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm uh, a good deal better off than the last time I saw you in Queenstown. I can promise you that. Oh yeah. So just look at the wish you could take us back, Smitty. It was uh, both you and. <laughs> And your old uh, starring partner Ian Healy were at their absolute best those uh, those few days. <laughs> we were uh, we just just for the cause, of course. Uh, Scotty, before we start, um, can I can I just pass on? Uh, I haven't seen you since then. Um, my and the station's uh, condolences on the passing of uh, your dad, uh, John. Of course, the tributes and the send off uh, that uh, I witnessed uh, emphasised his standing and uh, contribution, not just to the game but life and life in general. Uh, what a wonderful life he lived, and what a great send-off for him. Yeah, it was. Thank you very much. Um, and the whole SEM family have been outstanding. And um, yeah, yeah, he was a pretty special guy, uh, not only outside of his career. He's a wonderful rugby league player. He was able to, you know, captain his, his club South Sydney to four premierships, and and you know, and captain his country as well. And, um, but outside of that, he just he had a great he had a great effect of. On so many people, just yeah, you know, just people who would walk into his pubs over the years, and you know he never drank. He never drank during his whole career. He didn't have his first beer till he was about thirty-three, and then his first his first job um, outside of rugby league, being a rugby league player, and used to work back then. But his his first business, I should say, when he retired, was a pub, and um, and he had thirty years. Had thirty years in the pubs, and and yeah, the the, the great. Um, the great effect he had on people, you know, he had great empathy, my father, and um, and yeah, that, that's come through in a lot of the tributes. I think one of the uh, the great messages, I think, is just how damn tough he was, mate. How how hard he was. 
Yeah, he was, he was a hard man. He was a hard father, you know. But the thing about him is that he's a, he's a protector by nature. Um, but uh, a, a great, a, like I said, a great deal of empathy and also had uh, great compassion for his for his friends and his family. And, um, yeah, his, his greatest strength is also his greatest weakness, Smitty. And what I mean by that is, yeah, he would always help people in need at the expense of spending time with his family. But in the meantime, myself and my sister Lisa used to see how great he was with people. He set these really high standards of how you need to be with people and how you have to give yourself to people. And um, and, he, and he did that. He was so genuine as a, as a guy. And, um, and, and and you talk about being tough. Like he was, he was tough on the field to the point people didn't know whether he was, whether he was mad, insane, crazy, all of the above. It's um, well, absolutely brilliant. Every, yeah. So yeah, just absolutely brilliant, mate. I, I mean, um, he um, he's a legend, absolute legend, mate. And he will have enjoyed uh, this competition this year, Scotty, wouldn't he? He would absolutely love the the even nature of what we're seeing, uh, including a game last night between the Dolphins, uh, of course, and, and his Rabbitohs. Uh, where the Dolphins look like uh, they were going to upset the apple cart again and the Rabbitohs just turned around and ran all over them. I think it's symptomatic of this competition so far. Yeah, it is. You're right, Smithy. There's no real standout this year. Over the last probably three, four, six or seven years, it's always been Penrith of late and then the Melbourne Storm and throw someone else in. The Roosters are always around there as well. But this year there is no outright outright leader, outright favourite. So... And last night's game showed that, like you said, the, the Dolphins, the new team, off to start in the first half. Were they going to create an upset? South just needed one little in. They needed one little thing to go their way, and they did. They got that. And, and when you've got a, a team with so many superstars in it like it has, well, they just ignited. They activated, and they put the afterburners on and, and ended up winning comfortably. But uh, this Dolphins side, they keep, they keep surprising everyone about how competitive they are. Scott, um, the one of the issues this year in terms of the tackle, and it always has been, is uh, this um, this hip drop tackle. We saw another injury last night to uh, Koala Matangi. Um, looks like he might be uh, out for a little while. Uh, what's the answer to this? Do you feel? I don't know. I don't know, Smitty, really, because it's part of the game. It's not an intentional act. It's it's something that that happens in the game because you lose the tackle. When, when a player is able to sort of half drive through the tackle and you end up around the side of them, well, force and gravity just forces the, the body weight to, to drop and fall on the back of the, you know, the heels and the ankles of the players. And it's been happening forever. It's just that we, we're, we're highlighting at the moment. That's why everyone is noticing it. Um, the minute the player loses his feet in a tackle, that's when it's going wrong. So the only way that we can try and police it is is doing what they're doing. Unfortunately, I hate it. I hate that we're rubbing people out for two and three weeks for this when it's not intentional. It's not reckless because they're not intentionally going in there to try and maim someone. And it's not really careless because you're just trying to fight in the tackle and you're not being careless in your nature. You're just you're getting beaten in the tackle. So I think the only way they're going to try and eradicate it is get the message to the clubs that the, the minute that a player loses his feet in the tackle, that's when this is going to go wrong. So... We're going to keep rubbing people out for one and two weeks until players start changing their technique. But I've said it for a long time, Smitty. The NRL have built a rod for their own back because they haven't rewarded these really good tacklers that tackle around the around the belly button, around the rib cage. You know, it's all about 
tackling up high now and holding the players while someone comes in and chops at the legs. So until we start rewarding players for, for really good tackle technique, we're going to continually see these outcomes. Yeah, interesting and concerning, as you say, uh, and puzzling. Um, Scott, Scott, there's a big game tonight. Uh, uh, the Sharks back off a bye last weekend to face the Roosters tonight. The question will be, is uh, Tedesco going to be back and uh, just how influential is Nico Hines becoming in every in every Sharks performance? Yeah, well, they've been really disappointing defensively, the Sharkies. And it's funny because they've got a coach, Craig Fitzgibbon, who prided his whole career on really resilient defence. And it's not they're not showing that, the Sharkies. So they're not going to win a comp until they improve their defence. They've got to try and bring teams down to scoring no more than 14 points a game. At the moment, I think they're conceding about 24 points. So you're not going to win a comp doing that. The Roosters with Tedesco back, uh, he'll play. And there's a whisper he could have played last week as well. But because of the 11-day stand down, they, they had to follow those rules. So um, they'll be at full force, you'd think, or close enough to it. Uh, the Roosters, it's going to be a good game, good challenge for Nico uh, to be able to change the mindset of this, this Cronulla side. But, you know, the Roosters... By well, about round 10 onwards, the Roosters will go to another level. They always do. They'll, they get all their players back, their full complement, Angus Crichton and co, and, and they'll be really difficult to beat. And I, I anticipate that they'll beat Cradell tonight. I think they'll score too many points. How about um, Manly versus Melbourne? Uh, we're told that uh, Tommy Turbo is uh, back after back spasms. Um, but what about uh, Bellamy? It, it just appeared in the last performance or two that the Storm might be just heading back to the, the kind of areas he's happy with. Everyone has written their tributes. Everyone's written their eulogy. Every time their, their key players you know, retire, you had Slater retire, and then Cronk leaves, and then Smith leaves. And, and you have all these players leave. Brandon Smith you know, leaves and goes to the Roosters. and Everyone says, oh, well, that's it. They probably won't make the eight this year. Then Bellamy finds something. I don't know what it is, but he finds something. And we continue to question him, question his credibility. And and um, the, the way they're playing at the moment, I think they're actually the form team of the comp. You know, the way they put the cleaners through the roosters last week, I didn't think they got out of third gear, to be quite honest. So, yeah, and this is a great rivalry, this Manly, Manly-Melbourne one, because, you know, the battle of Brookie years ago when there was a massive all-in brawl on the sideline, then we had Curtis Scott... Um, having a fight with uh, Dylan Walker years later, which which really got ugly as well on the field. We don't see a lot of punching in the games these days, but that was that was quite an ugly one. So it's always had this little rivalry about it. So um, yeah, but this Melbourne side led by Cameron Munster. Now he's not playing five eight tonight. They're putting back the fullback um, because their regular fullback Brian Pappenhausen is out. The second fullback Nick Meaney's out, but Munster's used to playing fullback as well. That's what his original position was. So. Yeah, they'll just keep on keeping on this this Melbourne Storm side. They're they're an amazing outfit, and it's all built on just great hard work ethic, old school work ethic. You know, there's a lot of millennials amongst that that playing group, but they don't think like millennials. They think like players back in the 80s and 90s, the way they train and the way they prepare for their rugby league. They prepare for battle every time, and they're willing to take you to the nth degree to get the results as well, the Melbourne Storm. That's why they're a little bit different to everyone else psychologically. For us, uh, we've uh, got a rematch. Um, uh, we went to uh, the Cowboys, of course, and uh, managed to pick them up. I say we, the Warriors, of course. So Tohu Harris named uh, back in the side. Hopefully he will play. No Wade Egan this week. Uh, so 
We're really dependent on Tohu back for his leadership in that regard. And the Cowboys, I would imagine, who are hurting after that uh, earlier clash. Yeah, the Warriors, that was a great win. They got up in Townsville a few weeks ago. And, and yeah, Sean Johnson's finding some great form. Yeah, yeah you, I picked the Warriors to be my most improved side this year. And, you know, at the moment, it, it's looking it's looking like that's the way it's going to be. You know, if they win last week against Newcastle, I, I had to re-look at the ladder. You know, they're, they're equal leaders with the Broncos if they win last week. And unfortunately, they dropped that game. They are really disappointing. Um, and this Cowboys side, as you said, Smitty, there's something missing there. I'm not quite sure what it is. I know they've had some key players out. They get Nanai and um, also Tua Lungi back this game because both State of Origin players. Um, so they'll be a lot. They're getting back to that that side that you know, nearly went through to the grand final last year. But yeah, there's something missing in that side. I'm not quite sure what it is. It's definitely not physical. It's all psychological. Um, but they've got a big big out as well. Uh, the Cowboys. Griffin Neen, the the, the Kiwi, the back rower, he's, he's got a fractured throat. Uh, um, the larynx, the cartilage in his larynx that links up to the voice box has been torn, and it's anywhere from eight to ten week recovery. So it's a it's a bad injury for uh, for Griffin Neiman. Uh, but this this one's too difficult to pick. I don't know who's going to win this one, but I love what Andrew Webster's doing. Love what he's doing with the Warriors. They're playing a really entertaining style of footy, but. Something we haven't seen from the Warriors for a lot of years is they've got this real good resilience in defence. They defend their trial on really well, and he's, he's obviously brought that mindset from the Panthers. Well, a night stopped the Panthers, uh, speaking of them. Uh, sorry, they stopped the Warriors uh, last weekend. Um, but tomorrow uh, they face um, the Panthers, a uh, side you're very familiar with, of course. How do you see this one going? Yeah, I think the Panthers might be a little bit too strong. Um, the Warriors, uh, sorry, the Knights, I'm sorry, they're, they're very good hooker, Jaden Braley, tore his ACL uh, anterior cruciate ligament in his knee last week, which means he's gone for the rest of the season. So he's a huge out. Um, and this Penrith side, although the Premiership favourites, they're not the same as what they have been over the last three years at the losses they've had uh, in playing personnel, but still very, very streamlined in everything they do. So, yeah, they'll be, they'll be, too, they'll be too strong for the Knights. Right, okay. Uh, Broncos, uh, top of the table Broncos. Um, they look um, they look pretty good. A, a clash with the Titans, uh, including the two, probably the two of the most exciting young fullbacks uh, going around and head-to-head, Jaden Campbell and, and Reese Walsh, who, of course, is having a boom season after leaving the Warriors. Yeah, yeah he's, he's going great, isn't he? And Jaden Campbell's one of those kids. He, he plays like his dad used to, Preston, who you know, I was fortunate enough to play with. He's just... You don't want to give them too many instructions. You just say, go there, there's the rugby league, there's the two sidelines, and there's the try lines. All you've got to do is run inside those and try and score across those. And that's the way they play. They play like they're in the backyard. And um, Reese Walsh, Reese Walsh reminds me so much of Billy Slater, the way that Billy used to play. And I think, you know, if Caleb Ponga doesn't get back on the field, I think Reese Walsh is the Queensland fullback. And... And I think the reason why is because Billy sees so much of himself in, in the way Reese plays. So, yeah, an exciting matchup. Used to be a really big rivalry, this one. Um, the Battle of the M1, they call it, the highway that goes from the Gold Coast to Brisbane and vice versa. And uh, I, I, The Broncos have been really good, but they haven't really been tested up until you know, the, the Dolphins and last week against the Raiders when they, when they had a loss. So I anticipate they're going to be too strong for the Gold Coast, but... The Gold Coast Titans get Kieran Foran back. They're veterans. So this could go either way. I, I think the Broncos may get them, but it might only be by two points. Uh, Scotty, just finally um, on the teams, um, 
West Tigers have a bye this weekend, so uh, they can't lose as such. They uh, get a guaranteed two points, but uh, you've had an association with to, that club. Not find a way to lose to the bye, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's a quote of the weekend. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, you, it must concern you. I mean, you, we're talking high profile here. We're talking Tim Sheens, you know, Benji Marshall. So we've got a vested interest on this side of the Tasman. Being Benji, of course, they're talking long term as this as this is a coaching structure as such, particularly with Benji. Uh, but how can they be? I mean, looking from the outside in, it, it seems to be a a bloody mess. It is a mess, and it's a bit of a mess all over the, the entire club. There's, there's there's direction there, but I'm not sure whether everyone is getting the the right messages or whether there's a lot of mixed messages. What I do know about Tim Sheens, oh, I'm a huge fan of Tim Sheens. I I just love the guy. I was fortunate enough to play my last season under Tim, and I wish I had him as a coach as an 18-year-old because he's just an amazing man. And what he's doing is really what the West Tigers are trying to do. They're trying to play the long game here where, where Tim mentors Benji. Benji has got a lot of the reins like that Jason Demetrio had at South in Wayne Bennett's last year. And he's just letting him tip his, tip his toe in the, in the water and, and see what it's like to run a team. And, and Tim is just overseeing that. Now, unfortunately for the West Tigers, they can't afford to play the long game because the fans expect more, uh, the sponsors accept more, the board accepts more, uh, expects more, and they're not getting it at the moment. That's why so much pressure is on them. But internally, I know what Tim's trying to do with Benji. All we need to do is stay solid here. If we stay solid and all give this, the right messages to the players, we will eventually come out the other end. He did it at the West Tigers when he went there in 2003. They were miserable in 2003. 2004 just missed the the top eight by one point. 2005, they went through and won the comp. He knows what he's doing, Tim, and he'll end up getting the right result. It's just that people have to be a little bit more patient along the way. Playing the long game then for uh, the Tigers. Uh, Scott, uh, really, uh, thank you so much for your time this morning. I know you're a, a really busy man um, uh, outside of league as well, so... Uh, and again, uh, thanks for your reflection on, on Dad. Um, my uh, condolences uh, again, and a um, um, big hello to um, your wife, who was uh, pleased to meet as well uh, in our little sojourn to Queenstown. All the very best, mate, and thanks for your time. Any time, Smitty. See ya. Yeah, cheers, uh, Scott Sattler there. Uh, true gentleman, a terrific man too. Uh, spent a bit of time in his company. What an impressive uh, man he is and what he's doing too. And got a very interesting business uh, away from uh, Rugby League, uh, which um, I'd love to be in. That's uh, my, <laughs> my kind of thing. Uh, but, however, I'm not. I'm uh, here on SENZ, and I'll be back with you very shortly um, after this break. Yeah, a couple of uh, texts have come in uh, before we head to the sports desk uh, with Ricardo. Uh, Chris has said, I don't think we can blame England, India, or England for not playing tests with other nations. For example, uh, India tour other countries, uh, and their board wants to play more limited overs cricket. Because that makes more money. Yeah, you're right, Chris, it does. It's, it's all about the making of the money as opposed to the pre- preservation of the game. Um, you know, Test cricket, basically, apart from the really big series, I mean, I'm talking about the, the Ashes, I'm talking about Australia versus India, most of those series uh, run at a loss, uh, I would imagine. Uh, England, I think, still get pretty good crowds uh, traditionally. I'm not sure that uh, their Test series, their home Test series against worthwhile opposition would, would be uh, on a down or Australian crowds were... Uh, last summer were okay in uh, a non-competitive summer. Uh, I don't think they'd be absolutely thrilled. I don't think we're going to make millions out of it. But uh, it, it, uh, the, the fact of the matter is uh, the crowds are waning. But we talk about this on a daily basis with uh, all other sports as well. 
um, they they're just going to have to uh, they're just going to have to really uh, look at the structure and uh, the, the ICC are going to at some point have to be quite firm in saying no, um, that's enough of these leagues as such. We're going to space them out a wee bit better in the interest of preserving Test cricket. That is, uh, if of course it, it's in their thinking. Um, so uh, we'll keep uh, monitoring that, uh, Chris, but you, you're dead right. Um, uh, Matt has come in and said, uh, Smithy, just a quick note to say, uh, with the help of uh, SENZ, we raised 25,000. Great, uh, Matt, that's fantastic. What a great number uh, for the Upside Down uh, Trust at last month's T21 Golf Day. That was at Bridge Bar and Hastings. We took our show out there uh, between 9 and 12, um, and uh, it was a terrific day, actually. Had a lot of fun. Then they had uh, an auction towards the end of it, uh, proceedings as well, which I understand raised quite a lot of money. So $25,000, fantastic success, uh, uh, Matt. Congratulations on uh, organising it um, and um, you know everything that came out of it. And I hope it goes a long way towards uh, the purpose that you uh, are wanting. Uh, right, uh, let's uh, head across to uh, the sports desk. Um, actually, incidentally, before we get to you, I'm just saying uh, congratulations to Dane Coles this weekend. Uh, yet another um, rugby player who's gone past the 300 first-class matches um, and that he'll probably come off the bench because uh, Sofa Omua getting the start against the Chiefs. But uh, good old Colesia and calling it, uh, calling it a day at the end of uh, this particular rugby year. Yeah, great servant for the game. And is, is there a, a bloke you would rather have in your team when it comes to niggle and getting in other players' faces? No, um, I, I think so. He's he's, he's uh, often been the instigator, hasn't he? And um, and uh, I think even this year when uh, Artie ended up with his uh, the trouble that he had and the uh, the throat cutting um, gesture, etc. I, I got a sneaking suspicion that one uh, Dane Coles might have been the instigator of uh, all that sort of trouble. But that has been his trademark. Um, um, Fitzy was the same, didn't he? Fitzy got under your nose. Uh, up your nose, under your skin, whatever. Um, and in the end, um, you know, he, he prompted referees and uh, he instigated stuff. And, and in the end, um, you know, at the end of the day, a hell of a servant to New Zealand rugby, as has been Dane Cole. So total respect for him uh, playing his 300th tomorrow. Yeah. And somebody said to me about Fitzy once, Johan LaRue wasn't really hungry. Something happened before that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Just fantastic. And another check's just coming. I uh, seen a post the other day with Boxing Day crowds at the MCG and the New Zealand Test a few years ago had the second biggest attendance over the last 15 years. And that, that, that is true because um, uh, there was a really good con- uh, contingent of New Zealand fans. Uh, it was a massive, I think, about fifteen to 20,000 uh, for that Boxing Day Test match. Um, didn't get the result they wanted, but certainly created uh, so much of the atmosphere. And uh, I, I have a, a sneaking suspicion Australian cricket would dearly love to have New Zealand back there um, at some stage soon because the people will go back. Uh, what have you got on the, at the, that little screen of yours? Uh, well, just a uh, baseball, uh, Smithy. I know, I know you enjoy your, your Major League Baseball, and the season's just got underway not long ago. Uh, but the Tampa Bay Rays are on course to set a record. They have started the season 13-0 and because they beat the Red Sox 9-3 yesterday. They now go to Toronto. If they can win in Toronto, they will set the Major League Baseball record for the most consecutive wins to start a season since 1900. Wow, since 1900? 100 and, 
123 years of Major League Baseball? Yeah, the 13 win start. Uh, there was one in 1982, the Atlanta Braves, and one in 1987 with the Milwaukee Brewers. The only longer opening streak was 20 0 in 1884 by the St. Louis Maroons of the Union Association. Wow, and who are they playing, do you say, again? Uh, they've got to go against Toronto, yeah. It's in Toronto. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that result for, uh, for that reason alone, let alone anything else. Uh, right, okay, it's uh, just after 11.30 here. We'll go to the news with Araha shortly, but uh, just time for you to ask uh, for the second time today to call 0800 150811, 0800 150811. A little matter of $150. A little matter of $150 uh, as the prize for Stump Smithy. What a nice little uh, start to your, your weekend that would be. Uh, Robbie's uh, sitting there waiting for the phones to light up, and I can see in the background that they are duly doing that. Uh, Ricardo will be uh, your uh, quiz master, and uh, we shall be back shortly after this uh, news update. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Top class at his job indeed. So top class at his job that we have $150 uh, in TAB bonus bets to give away, Smithy, because you've been hot with the gloves the last couple of days. Yeah, the subjects have fallen quite nicely for me today, so uh, up until today, but um, I don't think we've ever got it uh, much above $200. In my reckoning, we might have got it to 250 once, I think, but uh, certainly this is a, a pretty tough one. Um, to negotiate. So who have we got uh, on the line today, Ricardo? Who's uh, got through to Robbie successfully? We've got Brendan from Queenstown. Come in, Brendan. How are you? Hey, boys. How are you? Good, mate. Good, Brendan. Very, very good indeed. Uh, What's it like down in Queenstown at the moment? Sunny and a bit windy. Overcast. Sunny and a bit windy. Are you a golfer with all those magnificent courses down there? Do you get an opportunity? Yeah, I, I do play golf, yeah. Okay, fine. Now, let's hope that... I'm not, 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 yeah. not a member, but yeah, love a whack on a, on a weekly basis. Okay, well, let's see what your sporting knowledge is uh, about and your choice of subjects, uh, Ricardo. Yeah, this choice... morning, uh, what? Uh, cricket, golf or basketball? Since it's 150, cricket, eh? Cricket. All right, he's taken the ball by the horns, as it were, Smithy. Uh, here you go, Brendan. Question one... Who was named as the New Zealand Men's T20 Player of the Year at the recent Cricket Awards? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, Mitchell? Daryl Mitchell? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, over to you. Mm, this is an interesting one for me. Um, I've got to say... I can't think of anyone else apart. There's two for me: Glenn Phillips or Michael Bracewell uh, would be one of uh, my, would be my choices. Glenn Phillips, possibly. Michael Bracewell, possibly. Glenn Phillips. I'll go Glenn Phillips. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Unlucky, Brendan. Well, you you took the ball by the horns, and you got the horns. That's what happens when you take Smithy on at cricket. Uh, have a good weekend, bud. Cheers, boys. Thank you very much. Good luck. Cheers. Uh, we've got Cheers, Andrew. Brendan. Andrew next from Auckland. G'day, Andrew. G'day, guys. How's your cricket knowledge, mate? 
not too bad, but probably not as good as Smitty, but we'll see how we go. All right, here you go. Question number two, $150 in TAB bonus bets up for grabs. Name any of the teams tied for first on the IPL ladder. Just need to name one of the three. Australia. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, uh, Australia don't have a team in the IPL as far as I'm aware, but uh, have you got an idea who one of the top three will be? No, I haven't got so I just have to go with my knowledge of the teams, actually. Um, I, I have absolutely no idea who's leading the IPL at the moment. I'm going to say I'll, I'll, I'll go with the Kolkata Knight Riders. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. No, the three teams at the top there are the Rajasthan Royals, the Lucknow Super Giants, and the uh, Gujarat Titans. So two of the new teams are doing pretty well. At the moment, okay. uh, Andrew, Fair you're enough. still alive. You're still alive, mate. You got this one yeah, question. I really, I really miss, Here we go. I really missed that question there. Uh, yeah, you, you played and missed, mate. And uh, yeah, that's why it wasn't a stumping because you, you didn't get anywhere near it. I think that's, that's probably why. Um, who has scored the most T20 international career runs for New Zealand? Oh, shivers. T20, going to say, either Guptill or Taylor, I think. I'm going to say Ross Taylor. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, Smithy, are you going to take the bales off one more time? Well, uh, I think he's uh, given me a great clue, uh, Andrew, to be perfectly honest. Um, it's the man they don't want anymore, I think. I'm pretty sure, uh, reading uh, yesterday on the, uh, the, the net a little bit of information about one of our subject uh, of inter- interviews, and, and that was, of course, Martin Guptill. So I'll go with Guppy on the, back, on the basis of longevity, and he's been around. Yes, well done, Smithy. He's taking your bails, Andrew. Unlucky, my friend. Unlucky, well done, Smithy. And uh, we'll talk well, back next week. Yeah, you do that because it'll be uh, worth 200 bucks on Monday. Uh, the lines will be lighting up then. Uh, that was a 50-50 go, wasn't it, for Andrew? Um, I thought he was going to go Martin Guptill, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but he went uh, a little bit further back in time. So, uh, yeah, 200 bucks. We're up for, uh, uh, we'll be uh, back, uh, you and I, on Monday, uh, Ricardo. So uh, we'll work on calls uh, probably around about 11.30, but that's uh, swinging to depend on uh, availability of interview subjects. But, yeah, 200 bucks. it's getting up there. It's uh, starting to be worth winning. I might have to ring up with an alias at some point. It's uh, getting through to uh, 11.40 here on SENZ. Yeah, coming up to 11.45, and uh, without doubt, uh, it is the most uh, exciting race on the harness racing calendar. It, uh, perhaps uh, the Cup Week has uh, the greater long uh, I'd say over a period of time the great uh, level of uh, expectation but tonight in particular with a million dollars up for grabs second uh, year in a row that this has been run great uh, it's a great format it's a great concept and it's great credit to Cambridge uh, that they're able to put this together Um, and uh, of note uh, our tag team will be on course the tag team will be on course of course the tag team of uh, Michael Geddon uh, and uh, Louis Herman Watt, uh, partners in crime, heading down there shortly, I'm sure. But before he heads off, uh, um, Michael is uh, with us today uh, to talk about 
the race and uh, the weekend of racing, which is very, very big um, going into it. Uh, so good morning to you, sir. Um, your partner, other partner in crime, Greg O'Connor, says uh, it's copy that's race to lose. How do you feel? Yeah, morning, Smithy. Mate, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think it's really easy these days with so many big sporting events and racing events to get a bit blase about them. You know, you obviously you go to World Cups for cricket and you go to rugby World Cups and all sorts of things. And you sort of, it's easy to think, oh, well, you know, it's just another gig. But somebody had to get behind this. In this case, it was a guy called David Branch from Cambridge and will this into life, you know, to make it happen. And the Cambridge Harness Racing Track is an awfully big smithy. And to have 4,000 people there tonight, when on a normal Friday night they might have 500, and to have Australian visitors there, and as you said, a million dollars, and lots of eyeballs from both countries on it, it's a big deal. So yeah, I'm going to go there tonight, and I'm going to have a good time. I like to enjoy myself at these events, and, and it's a bloody good race. Um, there's good horses in there, and there's great drivers. It's a little bit understated, but... Yeah, we have absolute the top of the tree, the most successful driver in Australia ever in Chris Alford, the most successful driver in New Zealand ever in Tony Hurley. We have champion drivers like Mark Purd and David Butcher, Natalie Rasmussen. Um, it, it's just a great race. And I agree with Greg, if Copy that gets the lead, it's his race to lose, Smith. But there's enough pressure there and enough little wrinkles and enough potential script flippers that things could change. And that, that's good. I don't like it when it's too easy to read. Um, as we both know, you know, sometimes when the All Blacks are going to beat someone by 50 points, you turn up to the game, but do you really feel that excited about it? Well, tonight I am excited about it because there's the chance that the first 200 metres could change the race if there's lots of pressure, the horses back in the field get a chance to come over top because the leaders will tire. If there's not that early pressure, the horses back in the field have to move before the sprint starts. And it'll be fascinating to see. I think, Copy, that's the best bet in the race. And if you are betting with the New Zealand TAB, Smithy, they're giving you boosted odds to $2.80. Now, this is a horse who's, who wins about 85% of the time he's in front. <clears throat> and I think he's a pretty darn good chance of being in front. So I think the 280 boosted odds, and always if you're going to have a bet, bet responsibly. Only bet the money you can afford to lose. Don't be betting the mortgage. But uh, I think it's a fair bet, Smithy, on what's going to be a really good night. That last race goes at 8.50, so it's really fast and furious. Starts at 23 past five, finishes at 8.50, and then they roll into a concert on track with a, a guy called Mitch James, who's apparently very, very good. So it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. It's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, we, of course, um, here at uh, SENZ have a vested interest uh, with Self Assured, looking to go back to back. What has to happen for Self Assured to do that? That early tempo, Smithy, look, <clears throat> if they go hard and then the leaders start to become vulnerable over, <clears throat> over the last 400, then yes, he can win. Absolutely. If they go slow and he's going to make his own luck, it's a lot harder way to win. So he can win, but it's one of those races where after 800 metres, he'll have a far better idea of whether he's going to need to win doing something freakish, like he did last year, or uh, he he can come and, and, and dominate the race for the second half. He can win, so can also Akuta. Um, Old Town Road's a good winning chance. 
the Australians need a bit of tempo on. That's triple weight and, and better eclipse. Um, and then there's the locals, which is great to have two Waikato horses there in Kango and Nicholas Cage. So you can break the race up into four teams. Um, the Purden horses, so the Blue Army, there's three of those. There's Team Auckland, there's three horses from the Auckland region there. There's the Aussies, the two Australians, and there's two from Waikato. So if you're a South Islander, Waikato person, you're an Aucklander or you're an Aussie, you get to yell for a different bunch of horses, which I know, I know you can't back them like that, but it might make it a bit more fun for the uninitiated. Uh, they want to watch it, by the way, if you're listening to this and you don't follow the harness racing. Trackside's free to air. Obviously, it's on at uh, 8.50 tonight, so there'll be a bit of bit of hype, a bit of lead-up, and the race will be 8.50. It'll take about 2 minutes and 40 seconds, so it won't take too long out of your life. No, it certainly won't, and it's, I think it's uh, well worth investing in as well. Uh, speaking of that uh, investment subject, as you say, bet responsibly, but you've got a big weekend to look at. Uh, of course, there's racing today, the Manawatu two Breeders' Stakes, but tomorrow morning uh, you'll be in action again, of course, um, previewing uh, a relatively big day um, on the thoroughbred side of things. Yeah, three domestic meetings. That's a rarity to have three domestic meetings on a Saturday, so... Parapa is on, it's Hawks Bay Cup down your way and it's a wonderful day there for the Hawks Bay Cup. Um, they have a virtual race meeting as well which means if you can't be at Hawks Bay they're having a fundraiser you can just go to the, the Hawks Bay Racing Club's website and buy an admission ticket even though you're not going for $5 and all that money goes to the, the Cyclone Relief Fund down there. They have a really big race day itself and then they have racing at Rickerton. Now tomorrow morning what's crucial Smithy is with the inclement weird sort of weather we've been having for that long. Louie and I will be uh, doing the show live from Cambridge. Uh, I don't know what state we'll be in, but we'll try and be making some sense. And we'll give you the weather reports, because that's crucial to how these tracks are going to play. It's a heavy eight at Rickerton this morning. That could change. And um, Hawke's Bay has a dead four, and you're the best man to probably tell us what you're expecting that to be like tomorrow. Overcast at the moment, uh, forecast to be a bit of drizzle around, but uh, nothing too substantial. Hopefully, there you go. There you go. See, perfect. That's why, we, that's why we pay you the big bucks. And then, um, this race by Grins thing, which is on tonight, we're going to review that 11 o'clock on Sunday. We have, have an hour oh. show called Tots Talk, and we're going to just get into it. Tell people what they saw, what it all means heading forward, and where we're going to see all these other good horses coming up and try to talk to some of the winners once they've had a chance to dust themselves off Smithy. So, and, of course, the good oil kicks in from 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. So if you fancy a bit of racing, um, yeah, this is the place to find ECNZ over the next couple of days. And, of course, Self-Assured Racing for the team uh, tonight there at Cambridge. But, Smithy, when I go to race meetings, yes, I try and enjoy it. Yes, I try and see lots of people. The most important thing to me is if all the horses and the drivers, all the jockeys, get round safe, I'm happy. Because win, lose or draw, whoever wins these races, they put a hell of a lot of effort into this and we wish them the best of luck and now hopefully we can have a celebratory beer afterwards. If you want to get to Cambridge tonight, you can still do so. It's a very small track. There'll be 4,000 people on track. So it'll be one of Cambridge's um, biggest social events for the year uh, for those who are in the region we hope to see you there Michael Guerin thank you very much you have uh, a whale of a weekend as they say and uh, beginning tonight drive safely uh, down to Cambridge and uh, we'll catch well, up with you uh, uh, in Jickles I've got bad news on that front I promised Louis 
about a year ago, because we spent a lot of time together, which is to my detriment, that I would one day let him drive the big, the big car. And today's the day. So Louis and I are going to get to the mm. Bombay's, jump out, swap seats, and for those who don't want the big car, the big car is V12, V8, and costs about 400k. Oh. So Louis's going to be having a spin <laughs> the Aston Martin from just south oh of the Bombay's um, oh. to Cambridge. Oh. So if there's any police officers in the area and you see a big black car going past with a guy with, uh, with a bit of a goofy look on his face, please pull him over because I'll be in the passenger seat. Oh my God! Oh, I know, really. I know. I promised I've got, him. I've got, got to that stage. You've got to keep your promises. Um, he is hoping for the best. He is hoping for the best, uh, Michael. Safe trip, and I mean that uh, literally. Uh, and uh, no, so we'll speak to you again. <laughs> for speak, speak to you again very shortly. Uh, it's uh, Michael Kieran. Oh, co-driver for Louis Herman. What in a car? And Aston Martin. My Godfathers. It's eleven fifty-four. Right, uh, Mark Watson, of course, uh, coming up with his uh, show this afternoon. He'll start with the Midday Madness, and then uh, he'll be full of uh, great content to, to take you through until uh, 4 o'clock, and then uh, the run home, of course, uh, will take you uh, on from that point onwards. A busy weekend um, across uh, SENZ uh, tonight, of course, at Cambridge, and then across, the, across all the racing that we'll be covering uh, over the weekend period as well. Um, my thanks go to... Uh, Robbie today, uh, to uh, Araha of course and to Ricardo for putting the whole deal together, it's been great, really enjoyed the chat uh, with uh, Scotty Sattler, what a, a terrific man he is and uh, son of a, a terrific man as well and John Sattler, what a great tribute that was uh, have a terrific weekend everyone and we'll see you on Monday bet well, bet wisely